Welcome to the Gossip Stone Podcast, where we cover the Ocarina of Time randomizer. We focus primarily on racing and competitive scene, as well as various other related topics for the community as a whole. Hello, everyone. I'm Emo Soda. Today, I am joined by my co-host, Chimpan Reeve. Hello. And today, uh, we're going to be talking about Blitz tournaments. Our two guests on for today. I know, double the guests, double the fun. Oh, um, baby. First up, uh, we have Cubs Rule 21 here. Uh, his last seen on episode 8 back in February 2020. Uh, that was a long time ago. <laughs> We're still here. Uh, that, was, we were that, was about the, the, that was before the pandemic. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> Just before. <laughs> that, that's <yeah>. before time. <laughs> yeah, Wild. that was the 199 player multi-world episode. So uh, welcome mm-hmm. back, Cubs. Thank you. It's good to be back. And hello to Spike Vegeta. Um Wow, I don't, I don't know. You've done a lot of things in uh, speedrunning and just, uh, I don't know, with uh, <laughs> OTR in itself, too. So uh, welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you. Welcome for having me. It's uh, been a cool three years and two months. I feel like it was back in May of 2018. We started playing this and never thought we'd still be playing it to this day. Actually, I knew I knew it would still get played. I didn't know I'd still be playing it. It's uh, it's very fun, but we'll we'll talk about that. But yeah, thank you for having me. That's great. Um, so yeah, today we're going to be talking about Ocarina of Time randomizer and marathons like GDQ uh, and a couple of other things that have happened as well over the past year or two, uh, as well as the community tournament updates. Those are still happening. Uh, we still have what four or five tournaments happening all at once right now. Oh my god, yeah, they never um, end. It's just it's kind of been that way for I don't know the last six months or so. It's always been at least three. Just with uh, within Ocarina of Time, so um, that's not to mention like all the Majora's Mask, Link to the Past, uh, uh, non-Zelda randomizers. I mean, it seems like almost every speed game now has, has a randomizer attached to it. So uh, we'll be talking about that stuff as well as the Blitz tournaments, obviously uh, for the Blitz tournament episode here. Um, but first of all, uh, we're going to be talking about uh, the speedrunning marathons and Ocarina of Time Rando's involvement there. Uh, so with SGDQ 2021 recently completed uh, $2.9 million. Wow. Raised for Doctors Without Borders. That's a, it's a huge amount. Let's take a few minutes to discuss, uh, you know, Ocarina of Time Rando's place in speedrun marathons like GDQ. So, uh, Spike, uh, wh- what do you know about this? <laughs> yeah, I was about to say. So this was, you know, I guess to talk about the history of randomizers within GDQs, you know, for years, it was kind of this thought that, if it wasn't a, a traditional speed run, you didn't want to have it in a GDQ. Um, and now all of a sudden over the last few years, I think we've seen so much of the mainstays. You know, we've seen stuff like Ocarina of Time 100% been done four or five times now at GDQs. 
Uh, but now you're seeing a lot more uh, shmup showcases and rhythm game showcases. And among those also is still what is definitely a speed run, but a little less traditional that in randomizers. We saw randomizers like Link to the Past get in uh smz3 with super metroid and link to the past final fantasy 4 free enterprise a lot of cool representation for the randomizer communities and ocarina of time with over what like forty thousand something people in the zooter the zelda ocarina of time randomizer discord it became a big enough scene to where gdq said yeah let's give it a shot gdq and esa so you had esa both at summer 2019 had a multi-world was actually the first time that's a, that's a fun fact actually that i'm getting off the cheat sheet right here first time it was shown was uh yeah a multi-world with ball uh amateuretsu and fuzziness uh esa winter 2020 fuzziness did a crowd control for it and then at corona relief done quick sgdq 2020 and fleet fatals 2020 all related to GDQ, myself, Spike Vegeta, and Fant got to do a co-op. Raikaru and Barrel got to do a co-op. And Nuclear Reaction and Chelsea X Lynn, all of us respectively got to run co-ops of Zelda Ocarina of Time Randomizer at these events. So it's been getting a lot of love lately. I think there will be much more love for it in the future because I think like all good randomizers, you look at all the settings and there are a million ways to customize this sucker. You can show me in so many different ways. We could do races. We could do multi-worlds. We could do co-ops, even just solo showcases of a lot of goofy things like entrance rando and all this stuff. So I think this is only the tip of the iceberg for Zooter appearances in uh, GDQs and ESAs and other major speedrunning marathons. Yeah, kind of like you said, the, the settings are just so malleable to like pretty much whatever you want. You can make it as gross as you want. So we, we get that a lot of times in random settings league. <laughs> uh, mm -hmm. Just the the variability is just huge. Uh, just even with all of the options available right now. And there's new settings coming out all the time. I mean, uh, over the past, I think, six months, 12 months, there's been two, four settings that have impacted random settings league itself. So um Things like that do add uh, a lot of depth to replayability and just rando itself. So it's it's great to see that. Um, so I don't know what would you say that randomizers count as speedruns? It's kind of an open question here to anyone. I, 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 yeah, I go ahead. Answer, go ahead. Someone else talk. I think the answer is yes. It's just it's very different than your normal vanilla speedrun where everything is always the same. You're you're playing a different game every time, so it's. I think it's hard for people who are used to vanilla speedruns and not into randomizers to to understand that, or not just to understand, but to grasp that yes, this really is a speedrun. Anything you throw with the clock is a speedrun. It's just different. I'm a bit of a. a, a... I, I say a bit of a different. I guess you can only really have an opposite view of that. Um, I guess uh, it, my my way of thinking about speedruns is like, you know, there's a bit of a meme that's like, oh, I, I'll speedrun eating this Big Mac or whatever it is. People just sort of throw the term out um, quite loosely these days. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and I think randomizer itself, even though, yes, you want to beat the game as fast as possible, I don't think that automatically makes things a speedrun, if that makes sense. Like, sure, I you know, if I get a someone gives me a shot, I'll want to shot that as fast as possible, but I'm not speedrunning a shot, right? It's just like it's there are there are differences between for me, like 
trying to beat something quickly and a speed run because I just don't think you can have a, an element of randomness like to, to to this degree count as a speed run. You know, you couldn't have a speed run leaderboard for rando because how would you how would you ever measure it, right? Because you'd all have to run the same seed. But if you ran the same seed, it wouldn't be a rando. It would just be this. It'd just be a seed of the rando that you can speed run. So I don't. Ultimately, I don't think. I I don't actually think the answer to this question matters a whole lot because it's. I don't think anyone's trying to make randomizers a speed run. Um, but in my opinion, I I would I would definitely say there's a there's a difference between uh, speed running a, a a game and speed running a randomizer. I just don't think it, it counts as the same category. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I I think at the end of the day. Any t- like so, I guess I sit on kind of a not maybe not the polar opposite side of things, but I always do say if your goal is to beat the game as fast as you can, and you put in some amount of work into like optimizing your movement, even if you don't know what pieces of movement you're gonna have to pull out each time you do it, I don't think Ocarina of Time randomizer, Link to the Past randomizer, any of this stuff is really much different than a lot of other games out there that people do runs of speed runs. I mean, is Ocarina of Time randomizer any less hot any more hostile um or you know random in the playthrough than if you speed ran Yu-Gi-Oh forbidden memories for anyone who knows you know like all your cards are going to be different every single time you have to kind of react to okay I'm going to farm in these places instead um you know I I view randomizers as a speed run of a game with a lot of RNG with a very exaggerated amount of RNG and even then it's amazing how often you can actually give some sort of estimates for these games, for these runs at marathons, and they can roughly come in that ballpark. It's not hours of difference. Um, maybe a little bit of vetting there. but Shout out to anyone that does actually subject themselves to Forbidden Memory speedruns, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> as possibly one of the most brutal things I've ever watched in my entire life. Yes, yes, agreed, agreed. Yeah. There's a reason people run it for eight hours with the intention of just getting as far as they can in eight hours <laughs> and yeah. not finishing the game. There's um, no way you're going to finish, yeah. No, but no, I, that's, that's a fair point. Um, but yeah. I understand. I didn't mean to like knock down your, cause no, I, no, I understand. Like, I think at the end of the day, randomizer is probably best described almost as like speedrun adjacent content. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I think, I also think at the end of the day, people who are going to be most successful at the randomizers more frequently, more, uh, you know, more consistently are people who know how to speed run Ocarina of time pretty well. You know mm-hmm. how to move link faster. Your checks per minute are going to be a lot higher than someone else who, maybe knows where the checks are, but they don't know, you know, good boss strategies and stuff like that. So, yeah, that's fair. Um, and I guess uh, a question that which kind of ties into the next thing we're going to move on to, but why do you think the past few uh, events have all been co-op specifically? Like, what do you think that co-op brings that is like is so appealing to the organizers? They're like, yeah, you know what? I think a co-op is uh, the best thing to showcase here. Is it like, time constraints is it the fact that two people get to talk like uh, between each other and really discuss things properly in sort of absence of a typical like sgdq couch for example you've already got two people there talking about what they're doing what do you think is uh the incentive behind that yeah i mean for me i think it's definitely kind of the best of a lot of different worlds where if you want to put it on the simplest scale it's just simple 
for mm-hmm. setup is just, okay, we only need two people. Like if you are going to have a race of something at a GDQ at an ESA or something, you need dedicated commentators who are then going to sit there and tell you what's going on. Why are all these decisions being made? And it's maybe a little of them not knowing how many people are going to necessarily come. By the way, there are a million Zooter players, Ocarina of Time randomizer players who go to GDQs. So they would have no problem getting that. But, um, it's, you know, it makes times more consistent overall, a little shorter because Ocarina of Time Randomizer is a longer showcase for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not as short as like, you know, Link to the Past pretty consistently. You do a standard seat, you're going to gather an hour and a half, two hours max. Um, Ocarina of Time on more standard settings, you could cross over the three hour mark pretty easily most seeds. So being able to have that co-op, obviously cutting down on the time. Um, they're constantly describing why they're making their choices as opposed to a commentator having to sort of maybe guess why they're doing it. Um, and then if you go beyond that, you get a couple of people in there doing a race. They do a randomized race. They have to have a whole setup where they're, you know, mm-hmm. they're splitting a room in half. You, you know, I can't see Cubs' screen if we were racing at a GDQ or something. So I think overall it's just a simple thing, but it is interesting looking at the fact that, yeah, it's three straight showcases at GDQs, at GDQ events, all co-op. When yeah, are we going to see something different? Live randomizer races are hard. I, I just remember the first SGL where, I mean, you, you guys were literally halfway across the room from each other, right? Yeah. Yep. 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 So, I mean, we, we had our co-op race that just, just in the practice room at GDQ and that's e- even that was small enough that I guess you could fit it in one room, but to fit that many people on screen, I, I, I remember these conversations before we ever got uh before corona relief done quick and we ever got uh ocarina time rando into a gdq and it was what's the best way to really showcase this for the first time Hmm. and it just i think if you're doing a solo seed is fine but there's just a bunch of downtime multi-world god knows that's people aren't going to be able to process that for the first time they've ever seen it no and i know we brought up races but if it's your first time ever seeing a game, how, it, even having somebody walking you through a race is just—it's just going to be way too much to handle. Yeah, I guess. I, I guess. Yeah. yeah, as you say, I think co-op would be the most user, like viewer friendly. Um, I guess from my perspective, and I, obviously I'm biased because I've watched a ton of <laughs> Ocarina of Time randomizer at this point. But for me, and I guess to, to stick with GDQ as, as an example for me my favorite parts of gdq are the races right and i think a lot of people mm. would agree that they love watching the races and the super metroid races the Mega Man races all that sort of thing it's just they are some of the highlights of gdq are the races and whilst i think co-op is as you say an easier format for me i would love 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 to see a gdq ocarina of time race between maybe two three four people i think it would just be amazing you know we we already know how good it is we've we've watched you know the past few seasons and i think just having something like that for me would be my sort of preferred uh preferred way of of, of viewing it uh, yeah, i'm not, not big, sure how you, you all feel about that the biggest issue i see with a race of more than two people is just the size of the gdq tracker Mm. Mm-hmm. It's there. There's no way to fit more than two people on screen with that tracker. It would need to go under some severe re- uh, uh, remodeling just to be able to fit more than two people. I think. 
Yeah, I'm trying to think. So the last time I remember a four-way randomizer race at any of these events was actually RPG Limit Break. Did a Final Fantasy IV free enterprise race. Out of Cubs, I know you're into free enterprise. Did you watch that? And they just, in the room, they just had like cardboard cut out like walls to separate the four runners. They couldn't look at each other. Do you remember yeah. if it looked good on the layout? I Because there's got to be some level of tracking. I was not uh, involved with it at that time. I just started with it within the last six months. So I, I don't, I didn't even know that was done, to be honest. I know there was the two player race at GDQ, what, 19, but AGDQ 19, I think. But that's, uh, that's all I remembered, to be honest. <laughs> y'all keep, y'all keep talking. I'm looking at this layout right now because I know I agree, Chimp. I think, uh, this could be. Of that could be a very fun thing to showcase. I think there's plenty of people who go to GDQs who play Ocarina of Time Randomizer. Ocarina of Time is still one of the most popular video games of all time. That's mm -hmm. why there's over 40,000 people in the Discord. And, uh, you know, there's certainly enough people to go to where we'd have plenty of people who would be begging to get to commentate a race oh, of yeah. that. Me included. I, <laughs> I, I, uh -huh, think I think it's in a much better place now than it was the same time a year ago. Well, a year and a half ago, because no one outside of our community really had much exposure to it. At this point, there's plenty of people out there who know what it is and who are involved with it, at least to be able to follow a race like that live. Yeah, some sort of like shorthand, I think, is definitely the way to go as far as like overlays. Something that's like not ultra confusing and it's just like like colors, <laughs> but but like yeah. I You'd, you'd have to have a really, I don't know, creative take on it or, or something. Like, you'd have to change up a lot in how you uh, display it, I, I would think. Or have uh, a lot fewer things. And yeah. Ocarina of Time is kind of a problematic game for that because there's just a lot of things. There's so many up. progressive items. Yeah. You have to figure out how to like almost like overlay stuff on top of each other. We're like, okay, somehow like hook shot and bow like the boots are combined into one thing but like you can do it because like i'm looking at the rpg limit break final fantasy 4 free enterprise layout and they mm -hmm. had it with 18 little icons so could you get all that across with you know you want to do the six medallions the three stones yeah the issue is the free enterprise only has 17 key items progression items plus right perfect plus the pass which is a semi-progression item, so yeah. right. it's a lot less to keep track of. It works a lot better there. I guess yeah. you could be like you could be really smart with, and I don't want to go on too big a tangent here, um, but you could be really smart with layouts, and not only that, but and again, this is sort of the next topic um, anyway. But the settings you run with could also sort of free up some space right if you just had open fountain for example you wouldn't need to track Ruto's letter sure um if you if you doubled up dins with fire arrows you wouldn't need to show for all's wind or anything like that because who cares um so mm -hmm. there's just there's just ways of being smart about tracking that it, yes it wouldn't look as clear as it does on say zsr for example and you know people who watch that would have the advantage of seeing everything but for just watching it casually and making sure that the settings matched uh, and, and helped sort of free up some real estate on the screen, I think you could easily make it similar to what, you know, what you've shown us uh, there, Spike, with like the same sort of setup with you know, maybe just a little medallion thing in the middle of just showing what people are going for. 
Um, but I guess, and forgive me for not knowing a whole lot, I don't know how much of the screen for something like GDQ needs to be dedicated to, you know, the, the tracking the donations um, and right. any other areas of the screen that needs to be specifically, you know, advertisements and anything else like that that needs to be up. Um, so, yeah, I think I think you could be smart with it. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I'm not going to say I'm an expert and say I could immediately, yes, this will work. I can make this work. <laughs> of um, course, as fans, we want it to work. But, yeah, yeah I... I'm with you, though. I think they could, if they felt like they had the offers from people who were very solid at Ocarina of Time Randomizer, I think they could find a way to make it work. I think this is one of the hottest things going along with Link to the Past Randomizer in the speedrunning community as a whole right now. Mm. To bring it uh, with the settings, let's face it, it's a big game. There's a lot of things. I. I can't think of another randomizer that just just using S3 or S4 settings has anywhere close to that many checks in a possible seed. When you start turning on settings like Scrub Sanity, Shop Sanity, Token Sanity, all of a sudden, this is a giant video game when you talk about a randomizer. And that's... Mm -hmm. It's unfortunate that some things just can't be shown off in a three-hour estimate window. Yeah, I mean, there's there's upwards of if you turn on all the settings, I think there's about almost 500 checks, right, or something yeah, like that. It's, that's it's, 480, 489. <laughs> 489 yeah. is the number I've always heard. Yeah, I mean, we're not even talking about entrance randomizer too, so that's an mm. option. Uh, we're not bringing that, that into GDQ. <laughs> yeah, GDQ, I'll be offering hell sanity. It'll be great. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god. Do you have ten hours? I hope you yeah. have ten hours. Yeah. Spike, you might as well offer Baton Kaido's 100%. Come on. Let's do it. (laughs) (laughs) I got the whole week covered for you. It'll be great. Yeah. So what what kind of settings would you say work the best for marathons? Ooh. Yeah. That's, I mean, I guess you have seen kind of the pretty standard stuff the last uh, three times in GDQ. It's, you know, it plays it relatively safe um i don't know i'm trying to think of something like more off the wall that would just be fun for them to read like there's a part of me that would want to have ice traps on and have like shop sanity so people could you know we walk up and we see oh look it's a mega tan hummer um <laughs> i mean know, that that the was, slang shit you know we, that sort we, of stuff. we turned that into a mini donation incentive for Spy- a barrel and rikaru's run Oh yeah, uh, yep. where it was. Hey, chat. Let's match one dollar for every uh, every ice trap that's found, and mm-hmm. all of a sudden it turned into those two. I mean, not that they need to go out of their way to screw with each other, anyways, but right. <laughs> they just went out of their way to find every ice trap they could because why not? Yeah, I mean, uh, stuff other than that, I genuinely like dungeon entrance rando. Um, I think Dungeon Entrance Rando could be a really interesting thing for like that's because it's amazing how many times in the three years I've been playing Ocarina of Time Randomizer, you still get people who come in and they're like, what? why is Link pink? Like they can't. I'm like, oh, my sweet summer child. Like <laughs> they can't process the like the base of what is happening. They think I'm just playing Ocarina of Time. But Link's in a pink tunic. What's up with that, right? Like, not to mention, like, all these other weird happening on screen. I almost wonder, like, how interesting it would be for the audience to be like, oh, we walked into Jabu, and oh, there's Spirit yeah. Temple, or, you know, some something that actually makes sense. 
Uh, we can't even kind of give pre-commentary going into that because you're like, ah, uh, oh, I'm in the back of Lawn line. Well, this sucks. <laughs> okay, cool. Let's start, you know, working our way out of here. Um, that combined with closed DQ, I think is really, really good stuff uh, for breaking up the meta. So shouts to the uh, the team who put those settings together for the competitive stuff. I think it's good. I think so. I definitely use that. I think like a 15 or 20 piece Triforce hunt could be good, Ooh. especially if you want to try and combine that with a two person multi-world. Mm-hmm. I think I don't think you'd want to get higher than say two people in a multi-world, but I think that that's honestly at a point where that could be shown off. Uh, I may be a bit biased, but I think the blitz settings that we've had for these first couple tournaments would be pretty good candidates, not just to have to be able to fit under that estimate time, but to be able to add more things and still fit under that estimate time. It mainly it's the variable dungeon uh and uh requirements. Mm-hmm. Just I needing guess, these five the f- uh, five dungeons to get to go beat the game. I guess um and uh, amusingly enough Cubs everything you've said has nicely rolled into the next question. <laughs> um how would you vet something like a 20 piece triforce hunt cuz we, we all know that you know you could have 10 of them straight away and then the rest of the 10 buried or you could have like the 20th required piece literally in Ganon's castle or something like that with the other three or four spare bits so well, how would you have- how would you vet like something like that to make sure that the runners and the the team behind it all know that yes this isn't going to be some hell seed without trying to sort of influence the way that the game plays, if that makes sense. Correct me if I'm wrong, Spike, but you and Fant uh, had sent Vet Your Seed, right? Um, yes, I believe. So. Yes, sent sent vent or vetted our seed beforehand. And, and I think uh, I remember him doing the same for Rikaru and Barrel as well. Yes, which he had me help with it also. Look at the seed and make sure everything was going to be good. So it was, yeah, I mean, definitely like you're trying to aim for this isn't going to be a jet seed. We don't want it to come in. Almost the worst thing you can do at a major marathon is have them come too far underestimate. Mm -hmm. So you want to make sure it's not just like, okay, everything's sitting in sphere zero as long as they don't skip a random check. Um, But you also, yeah, don't want the, it's going to be a slog. Could you imagine coming in an hour underestimate and the hell that would come from that? Oh my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) I've always wondered. Do it again. (laughs) I've always wondered because I've always said that for it's for another rando that I play Kingdom Hearts 2 randomizer where I've always said the way I would do it if I offered it for a major marathon is the goal is I'm going to beat the seed. Um, but if I come in too far under estimate, I would go show off like super bosses and like basically like more so kind of hundred percent the seed to make sure like it kind of gets to where they're not going to get super far ahead of schedule. A little different in that game because there's a lot of interesting combat mechanics coming up constantly, how you survive certain super bosses. I don't know if that is there as much with OTR. So I think with that, you need to be a lot more careful about just feeling like, are we going to be able to showcase enough cool things like i want this seed because i know okay that means they're gonna have to go over and do this and i think that maybe you think the baronade fight looks really cool i want someone to showcase the baronade fight so i'm gonna be like oh, okay maybe there's some triforce pieces behind baronade or something something like are you, that are you saying that switching between master sword and bigger on sword isn't as interesting as kingdom hearts forms changes spike? form changes Is that what I, i'm hearing i know right outrageous claim I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm hearing a claim that the Twin Rova fight is not the same as, say, level one Sephiroth. 
Oh my god, Twin Robo <laughs> sucks, dude. <laughs> I like how that's where we go with that instead of yeah, talking dude. about no, I was like, Every time I hear of Twin Robo, I just get like I anger myself. My gosh. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, I have more. I have. I don't know. I have more troubles with Twin Rover than I do a lot of super bosses in KH two. They just won't stop flying behind me. It sucks. But whatever. Anyways, I'll go off on my tangent later. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a great point about safety though in a, in a marathon. Kind of what you're looking for too, in terms mm. of like you're saying, like different tricks to show off, different strategies, different like routing possibilities, I think is a cool one. Like if you know one round who's going to go this way and the other one's very likely to go another way or something like that. Yeah. It'd be uh, pretty cool to see the differences in, in routing. But also, you know, sometimes they just play exactly the same way too. So I mean, that can also be cool. I, I'd tell you, Cubs, if blitz settings ever got into like a GDQ or something and you and I vetted the seat, I think the number one thing both of us would go for, because again, the blitz settings, for anyone watching who doesn't know, you have to beat any five dungeons in order to get into Ganon's castle. I would want to look for a seed where all eight dungeons maybe are available to be beaten for those five. So you potentially see one player is going to do spirit. Another player is set up to do water. And like they don't necessarily like there's going to be obviously some overlap. But maybe between the two players, you see like seven of the eight different dungeons. I think that could be really cool. And that'd be definitely something I would look for in vetting that sort of thing. If that yeah. opportunity ever arose. This may be jumping ahead a bit, but I, I, th I don't think either of us when we started working with these variable uh, dungeon uh, requirements. I don't think we realized just how many seeds would actually be hard locked to five dungeon of dungeon yes. <laughs> Not even close. It's how many long shot. Had, yeah. Yeah. Long shot. Uh, Rudo's letter and Din's are all in Ganon's castle. And it's like, yeah. well, okay. How many have we had where one item locks four dungeons and it's top of fire temple and no one ever finds it. It's crazy how yeah. that happens. Yeah, we've had a, a, quite a few, and it's, I don't know if that's just Zooter just being sentient as it always is, but uh, it's done it a lot. It's impressive. Again, there was one we did where, like, all the dungeons were open. And we all talked afterwards, because it's pretty common. We'll then lay out, what was your dungeon route? What was your order, your five dungeons? Everybody had a different one. I was like, that's very cool. I, I love those moments in Blitz settings, but we're jumping ahead a little bit, like you say. Yeah, first, uh, let's get to the community tournament updates. Uh, you know, there's a lot of things running around in randomizer community for OT. So uh, let's run down some of those happenings. Uh, first off, we've got the multi-world tournaments. Uh, I know Spike's in it. I'm in it. Chimp's in it. Um, Cubs, you're not in it. But, you know, there's, there's a lot of people in it. Uh, about like 40-ish, I think, something teams, right? So um, 120 40. something players. Yeah. Two teams. <laughs> 42. Wow. Um, yeah, so we're down to the last Swiss round. Um, just I'm waiting for my next match. Spike just finished his. Uh Chip, Woo, I, we did it. <laughs> have you played your last one, Chip? Yeah, we're all done. Ended three and three. Quite happy with that. Okay. GG. Nice. Yeah. So the top eight are gonna move on to brackets. Uh it's looking pretty likely. We know like uh four to six teams that are very likely in. So at this point, we're just kind of Seeing who uh, breaks out into the top yeah. eight and who gets bubbled. So there's always a team that will get bubbled here in, in tournaments in Swiss sp specifically. So uh, it'll be interesting to see where that goes. Uh, Random settings league uh, still got the bracket set up there. Uh, let me just load that up really quick. Whoops. 
So season three, this is a very large tournament. So 41 players, double elimination for those I don't know. Wow. Uh, we are, we are, <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> way too big. Uh, I am already eliminated <laughs> uh, out of like round three. I had to face Mario and Hamsta back to back. Pretty rough, but now we're down to round five in winners. Uh, we got Rob Dog versus Zopar coming up uh, probably next week sometime. What the hells versus Hamsta? That's going to be a hype race. Wow. And and then down to losers. Um, we still got a, a scrum going on here. As far as who's left in the tournament, we've got Cola, Kezo, Riley, Vodzilla. They're all waiting for their next opponent. And we've got also Blue Flush and Zoros are going to rematch. Uh, there were some technical difficulties, so they're just going to replay that one. Uh, no Pons and Timmy are set to play. J-Bone and Mario and FQ and Sly. All very close matches, I think. And it'd be really exciting to see next round where... All hell's going to break loose. I don't even know what's <laughs> going to happen. Who's going to win this? Your guess is as good as mine. Maybe what the hell is going to be our first three-time champion? Uh, he hasn't lost yet, so stay tuned for that. It's going to be an exciting conclusion. And there's going to be lots of restreams happening, uh, both on ZSR as well as Zopar's channel. So make sure that you have an eye out for that. And I'll probably be commentating some of them. So even better. Now... We also have League, uh, the season one official League for Ocarina of Time Randomizer. Uh, it ends August 8th, so there's about two weeks left at the time of recording. Probably about a week, maybe half a week by the time you hear this. But um, yeah, it's been a, it's a very fun season. A lot of very interesting uh, results that we've seen and a lot of different divisions. There's going to be a lot of shakeups for next season and We'll have to wait and see if uh, there's going to be any settings changes. But I, for one, am very excited. Uh, got two matches left, and I'm seven one. So, oh, nice. What division are you in? Five A. Five A. So if I win, I go to Division Four, and it's between an A and B or something. I, I think like mm-hmm. that. But um, if not, I'll be stuck in five. But that's okay too. But I unfortunately missed that. Like, I think I literally heard about the day after signups were done. But I guess it almost follows a little bit like like uh, football, like soccer does, where mm. the, the bottom couple will drop into a division below and they'll get replaced with the top from the v- division below them. So that's kind of how it's going to work, I guess, going forward. I think it's a super cool idea yeah, um, that um, they're getting to play on here at uh, here in ZSR. Yeah, I'm glad it's going really well too. And, you know, anyone, including yourself, Spike, if anyone wants to get involved uh, for the next season, they simply need to apply uh, in the main Discord. Uh, obviously, you won't just go into Division One. That's not how it works. But, you know, <laughs> <That's> it's, uh, <laughs> but yeah, anyone obviously can join and they will get placed in a division. I think it's from four downwards, depending on their skill level and their recent uh, results in race time. So, yeah. Sign up if you're interested. I know I will be. Hell yeah, we also got the DDR tournaments. The qualifiers are done, and there's going to be a bracket reveal soon. I'm uh, not sure if there's much info about that out right now, but uh, just know that's in like a week or two, probably it'll be starting up. So it'll be a cool uh, little small tournament. As well as Scrub Season 3, I would be remiss to not mention it. Qualifiers start on July 31st. That's next weekend at the time of recording. So it's very likely they're just starting now. So make sure you go play (laughs) in those if you want to be in the Scrubs tournament uh, for this next season. 
so the July 31st and August 1st weeklies for NA and E respectively, this will be run on scrub settings and will count as qual one and two for the tournament. So there will also be offline qualifiers just like season two. So if you have bad internet or have technical limitations, I mean, that it's not going to stop you from joining. So uh, if you want a really cool environment, really accessible settings, and you're brand new to uh, Ocarina of Time Randomizer, I definitely recommend that you check it out. Uh, there's been a lot of players that have really leveled up their game, um, even just starting in scrubs. So uh, just know that it's very possible to get very good at the game. You just have to put them in the time and effort, I think, just like anything. All right. So on to Blitz tournaments. So uh, what's what's a Blitz? What's what's that? Mike, I will. Uh, the the this is your baby after all. I I will let you handle. What 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 brought this about? Uh, sure, yeah, yeah. I'm about to say. I think we can kind of split this up into two chapters. So originally, yeah. I had the idea. I've obviously I've been around speedrunning the speedrunning community for like eighty years now. It's been a long, long time. Speedrun different bunch of different games over the years. I've been a part of a couple dozen different speedrunning tournaments, speedrunning and randomizer tournaments. And the one consistency I always found was I loved doing it, but I always thought, and not I know we just talked about a bunch of tournaments going on, but I was like, I want fast tournaments. I want something to kind of create the same, like that capture that bot that lightning in a bottle, like you get at live events, like we've done at Speed Gaming Live uh, and some of these other events in the past, where it's maybe a weekend, um, maybe a week long tournament. Um, so I said, I want to take this and I want to start applying it to just different games I care about. And hopefully it will start spreading like wildfire. So the first one that I did was I wanted to have one for Ocarina of Time randomized because I said, there's so many people in this community. I bet you we could have a good turnout and try to crank out something really fast that maybe there's a qualifier like in the middle of the week. And then throughout the rest of the days, it just that one, there's not eight qualifiers. There's one. That will then give us a top 16 based on that one single race. And then, you know, you have your round of 16, maybe on Thursday, your round of eight on Friday, your round of four on Saturday, and then your championship game on Sunday. And everybody joining the tournament understands this is kind of fast paced breakneck pace that we're going to have to go through in order to make this tournament happen in a week. And within that amount of time, there's no, there's no bit of like people losing interest in the tournament or anything. They've got their player. They're going in. They want to see if they're able to pull it off right there. So that was when I was approached by Cubs saying, hey, we can make this happen. But what are the settings going to be? So what are the settings, Cubs? God, that was a thing trying to figure out, wasn't it? Uh -huh. um, but, but before we get into that, this this all started with KH2 Rando, right? Going back to that. The, the first Blitz tournament you, you had what almost six eight months ago at this point was a kh2 uh blitz tourney oh my gosh you're right i've mixed up my the history yeah. i'm getting older i'm sorry <laughs> the first one i ever had was actually kingdom hearts 2 randomizer that's right that's right i brought them in first i love zooter as well they came in shortly after yeah. um but yeah no i was just like okay i threw it up like i said a bunch of people whoever could join that wednesday night we did it uh, the top 16 qualified, and then they all went from there. And I knew a bunch of people who never joined tournaments anymore because they don't want to join these a lot of times. Like, they've been eight-month-long tournaments, and OOT Randomizer has generally been better about it than a lot of other speedrunning communities that I've been in who have held tournaments. Um, but yeah, KH2 community came in, had a fun time with it, and I organized, I think, two 
Page Two Blitz tournaments. They've gone bonkers with it. <laughs> the Since then, it has spread like wildfire. They run a tournament at least one every single week. They're it's doing had, like yeah. standard. It's had to be like 30, 35 now at this point. It's ridiculous. Yeah. All because the way I viewed it, for anyone who plays poker, maybe of our listeners or people on the call, is what you did when you were on a poker website was, oh, I want to join this tournament. And you just go sign up for it, bam, and you play it. And when you get knocked out, ah, oh, that's too bad. But whatever, I'm not waiting a year, year and a half till the next tournament. I'm just doing, or even six months, I'm doing one right now. There's actually another one I can join maybe for like next weekend and we can go right back into it. So I held those first couple of tournaments and then the KH2 community said, oh yeah, that sounds great threw it up said let's do another tournament don't worry about it. we got another one coming up right now and uh it's just been a blast to witness because not only is it like league standard settings it's like they'll do level one tournaments and basically 100 percent tournaments rando rando tournaments like you know we've been seeing in zsr um all of a sudden it was i was a proud papa getting to watch how all of it was, you know, kind of turning into what it was. So then I said, okay, Ocarina of Time Randomizer, it's got to be the next one up. And then Cubs came along. Sorry, I got my own story mixed up. So I think we sat down once or twice and just talked through some settings. And I think we basically used your stream for four to six weeks just testing random crap. Mm -hmm. And God, I can't even remember all the things uh, we tried. I think pretty early on, uh, we hit on the random, uh, the variable dungeon rewards, yeah, which actually came from, uh, ironically enough, I I was watching a random settings league race that <laughs> had I think it was seven or eight uh, dungeon rewards for Ganon's boss key, and it's just like, okay, this would be awesome if you could just choose the dungeons you do. Why does it mm -hmm. matter if you have to be a medallion or a stone? Just go find the quickest five dungeons. We, I mean, I think we were talking at one point, did we want it to be five, six? How do we want to do it? And we ended up setting, settling on five, so six dungeon rewards. Uh, and it's, I would say there's some sort of a luck factor, but I, I think that's kind of been the hallmark of the Bliss tournaments we've done so far. It's, the, it's much more open as to how you can approach it. Yeah, I think it's lent itself to a lot of players when they've done them. There's a certain extra amount of aggressiveness to your play style, how you want to go, saying like, hey, a lot of these matches have been so short, like a number of them going even sub two hours, where a lot more of it's down to my execution. And okay, I can't just like go full clear this area or I'm potentially going to lose due to that. We know like Gavaroni, who's, you know, prominent OOT randomizer player makes brackets usually in seasons. And uh, he talks about, he never kills a skull. He never looks <laughs> at a skull in the course of the setting says, if that's there, then I lose. But that's kind of my gamble point that I go for because the fact that it isn't a set, maybe six dungeons you have to beat, it's any five. You potentially could miss something in these settings and still be able to come back and win. The Blitz settings, my favorite single aspect of them, because you can do whatever five dungeons, there is actually the potential, and we've seen it a number of times, where someone could hit go mode first 
and not be the winner of the race, which 99.9% of Ocarina of Time randomizer race is standard. Whoever's in go mode first, you've probably won. Unless you were just somehow way far behind and progressing your dungeons or something. Because someone could, before they know it, find something else like maybe the Kokiri Sword, and that gets them into Deku Tree for a much faster fifth dungeon. Their dungeon route's completely different, but they're going to get to Ganon, snipe the win a little bit early all of a sudden. I think that aspect is great. It's not just... Oh, okay. It's a foregone conclusion once we found the last go mode item for one of the players. Now we're just kind of playing it out at that point. Um, I think that's my single favorite aspect of the blitz settings that we've adopted. Stink. I, I do like that. I think my favorite part has been the hints. Uh, yes. Just, yes, I agree. Because I, when we started, I mean, if the one thing we learned very quickly, and it was from the S4 testing was that if we only need to beat five dungeons, an item has to be has to hard lock four dungeons for it to be way of the hero. Yeah. So you're looking at maybe a hook shot, maybe a strength, hmm. maybe not even having way of the hero in the case of some of these seeds. So we tried going the, the named item hints route first, where you just feed it X number of items and it, and the uh, randomizer will then pull a random number of hints, a random number of those items to then be hinted. But those had a bit of a problem where there's no logic associated to them. So it can hit at a magic locked magic, a bomb bag locked bomb bag, a strength locked strength. Mm. And it just feels like you wasted time following that hint, whereas you could have just walked into something. And uh, that was, would have been your required item. The path hints, I think, have just just been an incredible addition to where they don't they follow the way of the hero structure. They have logic to them, but they're many way of the hero lists for each dungeon reward, and they are different because when you see uh, Zora's domain is on the path of is on the path of the, of the water, it's. You have to train yourself at first because you're not looking at beating Water Temple. It's an item required to beat the dungeon that holds the Water Medallion. Mm. So it definitely takes some time to get used to. But after you do a couple, it, it really kind of forces you to find these items that are not only going to be required for a particular dungeon, but most of the time are required for multiple so it, it really allows you to take your own kind of path once you find these items where you want to go with it. They are my single favorite set of hints that I have gotten to work with in any randomizer that I have played. Because I find my brain is calculating so much around what even is that? Because it's not as simple as like, oh, okay, this is something to beat Jabu for example. It's not as simple as, uh, oh, it's going to lead me to Rudo's Letter or Boomerang. It might be leading me to a bomb bag. So once I find the bomb bag, okay, what does that mean? Is it just, okay, there's one of a million bomb bag locked checks? 
that that could be? What if it's something like, I don't know, a mirror shield? Do Now do I know that, okay, in order for me to even beat Jabu, I am probably going to have to beat Spirit Temple or at least go up Spirit Temple. So those two dungeons are almost like a package deal. Like I said, sometimes you're going to follow a path hint, not necessarily to beat the dungeon it is talking about. It's just because I think there's a high chance the hook shot, something powerful like that, is locked over there. And I maybe I'm not going to use it to beat the Water Temple, but I want it in order to get into and beat the Forest Temple or Shadow Temple or whatever that might be. And it was funny how often we would see some of these lists and they're 15 to 20 items deep. Oh, it's so to, much. Yes. Yeah. It's, so to use Jabu for the example, you're not only looking for a boomerang or Rudo's letter. You could find a hammer that six items later leads you to a boomerang. <laughs> it's it, it really just changes the way things work. And the other thing I like about it is by default, it sets the dungeon rewards, but you can add any item in the game to be uh, a required goal, and it'll then generate those mini way of the hero list for that item. We oh. added magic to uh, to the list for the mm-hmm. first one, so you could get a hint for the a path of magic. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it's not going to be there all the time, but it's just it's a chance that you. I mean, we have the light arrow hint, so why not give a chance for a little something at magic, which is the other one that could just... I think we found that magic and light arrows were the two things that really were kind of wild cards in these settings. Yeah, because you'd have this yeah. point where you thought to yourself, I only have to beat five dungeons, but it was amazing how many times we were getting to Ganon and saying, I don't have magic, I don't have lights, and now you got to go 100% the seed anyways. So yeah. things had to get thrown back to the drawing board and say, okay, what are the revisions? If we're aiming for these to not... It wasn't just fast to be fast, but it was something that we wanted to imagine. Someone could do one of these a day for a weekend, and it wasn't going to get exhausting. They weren't all going to be three and a half, four hour seeds. So generally something that was a little bit faster was beneficial to us and to the tournament and everybody joining it. So that's when, yeah, uh, Cubs came up with the idea that there are three heroes path hints that tell you about where to, you know, go down this path to obtain a certain medallion or stone. But also here's one of the two magics that will always be one of your hinted hints. And then I think the biggest development in recent, in the last month or so of Blitz tourneys is what was done with the light arrows. And Cubs, you also came up with this idea. I can't take credit for this. This was a Ryu Kane actually came up with this one where we, uh, it was crazy how often it would turn into, again, 100%ing the world to find, find dins to get into shadow to find your light arrows. You thought you were done. Nope, have fun playing for another hour and a half. <laughs> Variable dungeon uh, rewards for light arrow cutscene. We added it in that, so you have to beat five dungeons to get into Ganon's castle. But if you beat a sixth dungeon, you get a planned out copy of light arrows at the light arrow cutscene. So it gives you an opportunity of a, of a bit of a wild card that well i can't i have the ability to beat say a water temple a fire temple a deku tree if for some reason you didn't do deku Mm -hmm. is that going to be faster than trying to find whatever i need to get into say shadow temple or spirit temple to find my light arrows how does that work with logic 
in terms of does the does the game then expect you to potentially get those light arrows as your only light arrows, or it is can. that always going to be an optional one? It is possible. Right. The one thing we didn't know going into it is if there's two copies of light arrows, what does Ganondorf hint? And what we found was that he'll hint whichever whichever set of lights come in for, earlier in terms of spheres. Now, we all know that the playthrough and spheres are really not to be trusted. <laughs> <laughs> We've seen some goofy ones. Oh, yeah. my God. But just in terms of relative sphere count, it usually does a pretty good job of hinting which one is going to be found. Like, I know multiple times we've seen it hint at Temple of Time when light arrows are in shadow and shadow or light arrows are behind shadow and shadows are sixth dungeon. Yeah. That so, was the weirdest one I remember saying. Yeah. yeah. So it, lights are just like halfway through shadow, yeah. but I think it was technically after all the keys. It's so, yeah, yeah, it's all it's weird because it, it's all come down to key logic and how it generates the playthrough. It's not the greatest, but it it at least if you see that it's hinted at Temple of Time, that tells you that the game expects you to go beat that sixth dungeon as opposed to go finding it. Mm. Did you hear we uh, yes. we need to talk about this? Yeah, yeah, I'm about to say someone figured out how to change a line in the code. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's a custom build that I think the next Blitz tournament is going to be on. Uh where it's the same that we've been using, except it ignores uh it it explicitly prevents the Temple of Time light arrows from being hinted from Ganondorf. Mm-hmm. So it will always tell you where the randomized copy is, so you know where both copies are. Yeah, because you're obviously you're always going to know that extra copy is sitting in the Temple of Time for you on a six dungeon. So then you can weigh if he tells you, oh, they're, you know, they're chilling in Shadow Temple or something. You say, which one do I think is going to be easier potentially for me to get to? And a lot of times it's going to be the, you know, the scavenger hunt. But for the most part, yeah, the creation of that idea of that second set of light arrows has pretty much reduced the chance of there almost ever being and all dungeons that can pop up to where the average seed of Blitz is going to land somewhere between two and three hours, which I think is a great place for Ocarina of Time Randomizer to sit regardless. I just think that's a really good length of time for the game of like of playing it, of showcasing it. And uh, it definitely is something that is more beneficial to us doing these tournaments where, yeah, we we might be asking you, we're doing a qualifier on Sunday and you're going to do five matches throughout the week. And, uh, you know, being able to guarantee the two to three hours is great. You had a seed in the last week or so where it was, what, three hours and 30 seconds or something? Yes. And it was I, like you had to go everywhere yeah. and do every single thing. Yeah, it was about as maxed crappy as it yeah. could be. And, and it was that, just over three yeah. hours. If that's the worst it gets, and that's quite frankly faster than a good half of S4 seeds, hmm. I I would take that in a heartbeat. So, question then. Now, I can literally feel and see members of the community listening to this podcast going all happy mask salesmen on me as I say this. But in the, the, the community for Ocarina of Time is uh, quite precious of some of their sayings. 
Oh, and for sure. The cha- and the changes and, and whatnot, and get a bit, you know, their backs come up if uh, certain things change. Now, do you feel that the large-scale changes to hints and this sort of new logic for lights and all the all the other sort of changes that go into things like blit tournaments do you feel that it's you know whilst the and this is more of a devil's advocate question i don't think this but just a food for thought do you think that all of these changes are potentially keeping people away from blitz tournaments because they are becoming so different to what's normal that they're like i don't know how this is going to go i'm not really fancying this much like, you know, because obviously with weekly settings at the moment, that's going through changes and people are like, ah, oh, this is just becoming RSL, lol. Um, and hmm. I, 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 yeah, I guess, do, yeah. how do you feel that that affects sort of participation? I have had some limited feedback in that some people st- uh, have said that, it just, again, this is the minor- in a minority, but they avoid the Blitz tournaments because of the, uh, variable medallions specifically just because they feel that it's a little less competitive mm-hmm. that it's a little more luck driven and to be frank it just feels bad sometimes when you feel like you've made the objectively right play but somebody else goes out of out of their way finds something in a ridiculous location and is able to complete the seed faster because of it and i do understand that to an extent but I, I'll be honest, I think it comes to a deeper conversation, a deeper question that we've had to try that we had to try to answer during S4 uh, settings plan. I don't know if we ever did. At what where is that balance between taking keeping things random but not too random? Yeah, I think it, I think the big word is sort of variability in terms yeah. of what people need to do right and that was you know as part of the s4 org team was one of the hardest things was making sure that people had enough variance in their gameplay which is where random spawns and age swaps came from mm. but not affecting the variance of how people finish right so variable medallions was brought up as, as a potential option for season four never never ended up going for it main pretty much specifically due to hints actually um but it came up as something which might be quite cool but there was a lot of pushback of like oh well this sucks though because what if i do this and i have to do all of shadow but some person does this one random check and finds a boomerang and just gets to do jabu for example mm. so you know i do i do understand uh sort of the pushback for I guess variable medallions specifically. I mean, I'll um, be honest with you. I don't see a problem with that personally. Yeah, and that's, unless, uh, yeah, no, no. I'm just saying that's just yeah. the differing viewpoints on what is competitive. Yeah, that's perfectly fair. Yeah, you know, there there are people in you know I'm not going to name names, but there are people in random settings league that, for example, literally won't play because of uh, plentiful. You know, they're like, no, I hate plentiful. Yeah. It sucks. And some people just have that feeling around certain sayings, and it's it's totally fine. You know, you can't really for sure argue. Oh, you can't really argue against people's opinions like that as mm-hmm. long as they're not being like, nope, this saying's the worst. Everyone that plays this sucks. Yeah. No matter, I I know very few people, maybe some people in the random settings leagues, maybe that's kind of the point of random settings that I, 
everybody has their bias. Everybody has their, mm-hmm. oh, I like these settings. I'm comfortable with these settings. I don't want to change these settings. I do think randomizers, having played a bunch of different randomizers now, live best when it feels a little more like poker than it does like sports. Where in a sport, if I go play against LeBron James in basketball right now, he's going to beat me 100 out of 100 times. That's just going to happen. But if I play against the best poker player in the world, assuming I know how to play poker a little bit, I'm going to win a certain amount of times. Now, it's not going to be 50-50, nowhere near that. They're a professional. They know what they're doing. I think it's the same thing here with randomizers where you want a certain amount of, yes, the better players, the what the hells happen, you know, Marco, you want those players to win more consistently. I think it'd be worse for the game if it felt like, oh, it's a 50-50. Any Joe Blow scrub can beat any of the top players. But you do want there to, you want it to feel like there is a chance that someone can be smart about what is their low odds gamble plays that they can make and be able to get to the top. I've yeah. said this the whole time. I took second place in the the challenge bracket that went down after season four, the same time as season four. And I was not the second best player in that tournament by any means. And, you know, you just make some calls, you go for some lower odds plays, and sometimes those will pay out for you. And so I guess looking at the blitz settings, I'm personally fine with, yeah, there's a little more, more randomness involved. But uh, I don't know. I think that can be some of the fun with it. I, yeah. I think it's fine for it to be a, your randos to be a little bit random. Yeah, that's fair. I agree with that. Yeah. And when we started just trying planning out these settings, Spike, I think, <laughs> Chimp, this is not going to sound the way it's going to sound. No. But I think both Spike and I said, we want it to be as far from S4 as possible. <laughs> <laughs> and I liked S4. I yeah. liked S4. I want to make that clear. I thought S4 so settings I. were fantastic. I, I yes. did too, honestly. I feel sad that there's so much kickback on season yeah. four that I was like, oh, it's going to have to change season five. Like, I, I thought season four settings were fantastic, but that's just me. It's yeah. just a lot of things. I, I, I think unintentionally things just didn't play well together. Great se- settings that were good on their own just Zooter was sentient, dude. It just yes, happens. Exactly. It's fine. It. Like, <laughs> Zooter's like, oh, you you spent all this time making these great things. Yeah, they're going to make them all crap. Like, you know, and everyone's yeah. like, oh my god, they're twelve hours. Um, yeah, I think in S four, it really showed like what the average community tolerance was in terms of settings, like the variability, mm-hmm. like kind of like we were talking about. Um, but it, I think it's a good average. Is is kind of what my point is. I think there's a lot of people that like much tamer settings more into like kind of scrub settings more kind of beginner friendly uh accessible mm-hmm. settings versus me where i'll just uh, i'll just jam out decoupleds uh, on a weeknight and just like okay <laughs> oh, okay here we go we like <laughs> it's 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 a lot but you know you have people on both sides of uh, kind of that spectrum of, of variability and intolerance i think so I, mm. it was definitely interesting to see where it went from season three and I, I think a lot of things were really improved upon and especially in the early game i think a lot of that's pretty much solved with like location yeah. uh rando and spawn rando aid rando lock yeah deku yeah yeah I, I think that was shown in the turnout for the first blitz tournament it was right on the heels of S4 settings or of S4 finishing. And I think people were just 
kind of fed up with the average 320, 330, 340 seed, which having a little longer is not terrible, but I mean, they were just consistently. It wasn't just long, it just felt like slogs to get through, unfortunately. Mm. Yeah, a lot of hiking. Yeah. A lot of hiking. Mm. I'm not. I'm not gonna lie. I never thought we'd get 75 plus people for a turn. I really didn't. I thought we'd get 40, 45. We'd have enough for a top 32 because that was that was the one thing I was worried about compared to Kingdom Hearts was that especially the first five, ten tournaments, there were a lot of the same names uh-huh. going up in the bracket, and I think Ocarina of Time would have been or Vanda would have been worse to that effect that you would almost always see the t- same top yeah and top 12 so going to 32 people i think was very helpful another issue that with the cage two ones was that the qualifiers were always a wednesday or thursday night eastern standard time mm-hmm. and while asyncs were usually permitted for qualifiers by the tournament organizers it just it really seemed to keep pe- some people out of playing tournaments because of the qualifier. What it, how, I mean, how how many of the first few, uh, first few were on a Thursday night? And Hobbs, I remember Hobbs having, saying multiple times he had to miss it for the first step. Yeah. So it's just midweek qualifier was just a problem. So having it on a Sunday or on a weekend, and then kind of because you went with an extra round, giving people some extra time for that first round, really, I think, brought in some people that normally wouldn't have been able to play. Because mm-hmm. it, it is a very advanced, or sorry, not, not advanced, it is a very accelerated format that does put a lot of stress on your schedule for a week. Mm-hmm. And trying to cram... 32 people, a five-round tournament into five days, I don't think is ever going to work. <laughs> yeah, so, I know. Yeah. Like, specifically my, and this isn't a, a slant on Blitz or anything, but I know for me, for Blitz, I will never, ever be in a position to play a Blitz tournament because it's such an intense, like, and I don't think I'm ever going to win a Blitz, you know, let's face it. But if I was perhaps to get to, you know, the quarters or semis, whatever it might be, in a Blitz tournament... I don't actually have the free time in a week yeah. to actually commit to something like that. And I never will because of just the way I work. Um, so I know like some people will sort of never be able to enter Blitz tournaments specifically because of the compact schedule as, as opposed to the other way around. Yeah. Um, and I guess uh, one, last, one last question from me, because I think we're going to touch upon sort of the first, uh, the first tournament that, sometime soon um and it sort of relates to this now in regards to watching blitz um and this is something that i noticed during the first blitz tournament because i actually found out who won the first blitz tournament because we did the gossip stone podcast and winnie happened to write who won uh, because it just sort of happened so fast oh god now, yeah yeah this is <laughs> again kind of devil's advocate but kind of genuinely my own experience as well do you feel that in terms of spectating a Blitz tournament, that it's almost too fast? Because from my perspective, and this is, again, something I've experienced, 
There was, and I watched. I watch all sorts of Ocarina of Time Rando. Right? I'm pretty, it's, it's, it, I don't. I don't really go a day without having something on to do with Rando. I found that it was so fast and so quick, and there were so many matches. I couldn't actually watch it because by the time the next day had gone, like you know, twelve people played a match, or six, you know, six or seven people played the next round, and all of a sudden we were in the quarterfinals, and so on and so forth. I watched the qualifier, and I could have watched the final. I genuinely didn't, because, you know, at the time. But there was so much rando happening in that space of a week that mm. no matter what I did, there was no way that I was ever going to be able to keep up with that. Again, because I would have pretty much needed to have taken the week off to even watch the, the, the Blitz tournament, let alone participate. So, so what, what are your sort of thoughts on that as a whole and do you think that's an issue or do you think that's just something to accept in in this sort of thing definitely part of i mean obviously randomizers being big on twitch and for a lot of people is like the restream the aspect of the restream Mm -hmm. getting to showcase all these races and right now like in these infant stages of randomizers of blitz that i threw out there it was just let's just do them we're doing right now for the players. It's actually very much almost in a way, not for the viewers. Cause mm-hmm. yeah, you're going to look all of a sudden two days later and be like, there's four people left. What happened? Who did what? Where was what up is down left is right. What happened? Um, so I would like to get to the point where we start seeing more and more restreams of this sort of stuff. And even to the point where maybe there's almost like the late night sports center. It's like, Oh, let's tell you about, all the matches that went down today. So maybe you have like a blurb with some highlights of all eight matches that happened today in the blitz turn to go from maybe 16 to eight and say, yep. In the top seed match, number one versus number 16. So-and-so took them out. They, uh, you know, and this was kind of the reason why uh, recap shows like that. So you can like, if nothing else, catch this short VOD to be able to know, get that quick little bite of what went down. Why did this person get knocked out? I've already had my, you know, my, my theater background, my entertainment background, brain thinking, about how can we make this more digestible to the viewer? Because I think, again, very much early on, this is for the players right now, not necessarily for viewers. And we want to try to start moving it more that way to make it more watchable, like you're saying, Chimp. I think in terms of restreams, we knew that we weren't going to be able to restream much. Mm. There was just so much going on. Uh, I did note there were quite a few community restreams that popped up in both the first two tournaments. I know... Nukes did a couple on her channel. I know uh, a couple other people did one or yeah, two. Kuiper's done a couple. Yeah. I know Derpy has done them for like KH2. People just taking up and saying like, yeah. reach out to the two runners. Hey, are you? would you both be down for us getting to restream this? And they pretty much every time been like, yeah. oh yeah, sure, go for it. So it was Get cool. Though, it was nice that we were able to do one of the semifinal races on Silver Gauntlets and then the final, oh God, the final race. <laughs> 10 p.m. Sorry. Eastern on a Sunday. Oh God! Wolf. <laughs> yeah, that that was the thing that happened. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, so it was. We we kind of threw restream because let's face it, if you want to, if you wanted to try to restream a tournament like this, it's never going to happen. 
Yeah. No. You would need I, like yeah. eight channels dedicated to what yeah. you're trying to do. And yeah, you yeah, specifically would, need yeah. one person that's like, okay, I can restream everything. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And as much as Hell Knight yeah. is a robot at times when it yeah. comes to <laughs> restreaming, <laughs> um, even, even someone like him couldn't handle the amount of matches that came on, you know? And when you look at the reason why some of these tournaments just drag on and on and on, well, to be honest, restreaming is one of the biggest factors. Being able is, to have yes, being able to find a time, like, being with ZSR, there are times where people have scheduled around our uh, our uh, the ZSR schedule to when times are open. And while I don't love that, that's a thing. I get why they're doing it, but if there's no openings on the schedule for a few days, and that happens multiple times over the course of a tournament. That's going to really start pushing things back. Mm. I'd say that's probably less of a problem these days, right? Because, like, I I, I go back to season four and I think that that, I don't actually think that happened once, but that was also due to the fact that season four was more compact in terms of its sort of like scheduling. I think we took a lesson from, um, well, I guess ourselves in season three when we were like, yeah, let's just keep it open ended. And then halfway through, one yeah. person tried to schedule three months down the line for their yeah. first match. Um, so, and, yeah, <laughs> I, I can tell you this for season three. I know at ZSR, we, we had a soft cap of two restream races a day. Yeah. And what that ended up doing was it would make people not schedule more than two races. If, if they already had two races scheduled, they wouldn't schedule that day, period. Because they wanted to be on restream. So it's I, I, I think that has an unintended side effect of just lengthening out tournaments. And that's before you even start to get into a volunteer situation, just the schedule itself, when there's so many other things competing for airtime. Yeah, without a doubt. Sometimes you just have to chuck that out the window and say, hey, we're just going to run this. Mm-hmm. And to be clear. I love restreams. I I love all random matches having a restream. But yes, like you're saying, Cubs, sometimes you just got to accept that not every football game gets played on TV and just say, hey, we got to get all these suckers in. We got to get them all in the books right now. So probably could see a little bit of a better system going on there, but for sure. All right. So I guess let's move into the actual first tournament. Let's talk about how it went. How when it happened, so on and so forth. We already mentioned that. Oh, that was, uh, was a, a large number of quals, but that was in April 2021, um, organized by Cubs, Kirox, Wooden Barrel. Obviously, Spike, we know that you've sort of the granddaddy of the the concept. But <laughs> I granddaddy did, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the the actual organizers were those three. A qualifier was uh, April 18th again on a Sunday, which we feel is probably the better uh, day to have it, or at least just the weekend, right? Yeah, um, yeah, and yeah, as you say, the turnout was enormous. Um, I remember seeing the turnout for it, thinking, "Holy shit, this is huge!" Um, and that was great. It was great to see so many people wanting to get involved and wanting to join in to this sort of new uh, thing that Ocarina of Time hadn't really seen before. And ironically, I I knew of it because of Kingdom Hearts because I was quite actually invested in watching that previous. Um, but yeah, we got seventy six people. Um, as you say, it was the top 32 that, that moved on to brackets, which was 
straight into Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, round of 16, Wednesday, Thursday, quarters into Friday, semis into Saturday, and finals on Sunday. So all over in the week, um, I guess eight days technically. Um, the, the single biggest thing I learned from that, don't try to run a tournament by yourself. It doesn't work <laughs> very well. <laughs> that was one of the longest weeks I've had in forever. I bet. Yeah. And it didn't help that I actually had my first COVID vaccine right in the middle of that. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, oh, I'm going to try to be awake for all these, but I can't guarantee it. Mm-hmm. It's. It, it, it was it was an experience, I will say that, and definitely showed that. I, I I won't say I ran the whole thing by myself because again Kirox definitely stepped in to help and mm-hmm. I think Barrel ran one day when I was out uh due to the vaccine, but it's there's a reason there's groups and committees that run these tournaments and not a single person. It's a crap ton of work. Yeah, yeah. sure. And it's one of those we definitely wanted to give the opportunity because at first I was like, Oh, do you do it something where like every if you're committing to this then it's every single day at like seven o'clock at night, you know, whatever the general, the, the centralized time is. I said, no, I think people should be allowed. Like you just have to have, you have a 24 hour window, you know, generally a lot of these tournaments, you have a one week window here. It's on an accelerated timeline, 24 hours. You got to get the whole thing in. So that would mean some people would get them done, you know, at maybe 10, 11 o'clock in the morning. Other people it's two, 3 AM the next day that you're getting that sucker done. And, uh, you know, having people around to moderate it and hand out seeds and whatnot is uh, that that can be definitely very complicated. So bringing on more people to be on the organization side definitely is uh, more beneficial. And I think the the biggest thing that I found. In that first tournament, we actually only had one async race. I was kind of shocked at that. Yes, it was a first round race. And other than that. We were able to get all, all 30 other matches live. Wow. Yeah. Which is not what you would have expected at all. You just said, oh, well, every single one of these is going to be asynced in some way. Someone's going to yeah. have to stream it on an alt. We'll take that and compare it later. So, no, people were pretty much down, which is like uh, the biggest thing I can always ask for. For all these blitz turns we're going to do, we've done a couple now. We got another one coming up. We're going to do many more in the future. Is people who join, I like to think like you're relatively available. You're kind of committing your week to this for yeah. if you're going to get knocked out in the qualifier or if you're going to go all the way to the championship match the next Sunday. Um, so, seeing how that was the kind of participation and the dedication people had to it, uh, th- that was awesome. So like if yeah. you went to a live tournament, what you would do. So I guess I, you kind of have to take a bit of a hard stance on it, right? Now, obviously, as, as you mentioned, Cubs, there was only one async in this entire thing, which is amazing when you think about it. Um, but when, how would you deal with a lot of people trying to async in a tournament like this? As you say, like the kind of intention is this is fast and furious. This is, you know, everything done in a week. You've got to be ready and prepared for this. Otherwise, don't kind of don't even enter right so mm. what happens if you know you've the top 32 has been pulled and you know all of a sudden round one there's at least six matches that can't happen because the first few people just aren't aren't available they want to async it what sort of precedent do you have to take either before or after like the the the, the qualifier in terms of look 
there's only so much we can do here. If you can't do it, you kind of have to just accept that you need to not be in the tournament or do try and really accept and push for those acings to happen. You know, I don't think we said we had any sort of uh, hard and fast rule like that for the first one. I know there were at least three or four people who, as soon as they finished the race, they said, I'm sorry, I won't be able to compete. And mm. you, you do get that. And while it's at, on the one hand, you're like, you, you look back later and say, well, why did you join then if, mm. if you weren't going to be able to do the bracket? But I, for me, I don't want to be in a position where I'm saying, I'm telling people not to play yeah. because it's, at the end of the day, we're just here playing a game. Yeah, and absolutely. if you have time for one race and that's it, well, I mean, at least you told us now and we can let someone else have that spot rather yeah. than, you know, once the bracket is made and then, you know, oh, it's unfortunate because like I said we had three or four dropouts right away and the people got bumped up. And if those three or four people had waited till the bracket was finalized, and it was only a few hours after the race that we finalized the brackets then that would have been several people who wanted to play that wouldn't have been able to, which would just, I think would have been very unfortunate. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I guess that's fine, right? Like you said, it's kind of okay that as long as you go in with the intention of, you know what, I just want to play a race, even though yeah. I can't partake in the tournament, I just want to play a race. And you get people that do that in the main tournaments. You know, you get people that say, you know what, I've, done all of these qualifiers for season four i don't actually want to be in season four though i just want yeah. to play races and that's yeah. totally fine right because i you know mm. i have no issue with someone that's like very transparent about it as soon as it happens you know oh i qualified that's super cool i'm happy with it but ultimately i don't have time for it so i'll give it to sure. someone else yeah yeah i almost wonder if there would be a way because obviously race time as a website that everyone's using is still like a relatively young site for this sort of thing. I wonder if there's a way you could like tag yourself with, you know, I'm not trying to qualify effectively. So people know like, oh, okay, there are 76 people in this race, but these like seven aren't like if they finish, there is just a finish time. It's not officially going into the bracket or anything. So people just kind of know that going in. Cause you definitely, you know, like Cubs was saying, you have people who will see, oh, there's already, you know, maybe everyone's already finished. I'm just going to dot forfeit right away. And um, I do remember a good six or seven or eight people that as soon as I, I, I wasn't watching the racing personally, but when I went back and look at it afterwards, as soon as that 32nd place finisher uh, dot done forfeit. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Which again, when, if you know that there are some people that are going to drop out, I mean, those are, there are some people there that probably would have finished or were close to finishing that would have likely taken those bump-up spots. Mm -hmm. Which, to be perfectly honest, I want to disincentivize forfeiting like that. Mm -hmm. So, it, I don't As know. long as you're clear about it, I mean, it, from like a tournament admin perspective, like, as long as you make like an announcement in the race room, and you made one in Discord multiple times, I mean, you can't really do a whole lot more than that to... Uh, yeah. Yeah. discourage that kind of a thing and it's up to the participants to read the rules and all all of that uh regulation stuff so i don't know it, it can only go so far right like we can't like <laughs> talk to everyone before the race starts okay so uh what's your favorite color okay right. and, like how far <laughs> in the tournament do you want to go yeah, um, exactly and 
I don't, I hate to bring up old history, but that happened in S1, where somebody wanted to. I mean, there there were some thing, some rule changes between uh, qualifiers and brackets, and somebody wanted to drop out, and they felt like they were being pressured into playing for the sake of the bracket, and that didn't really end up well for anyone involved. And I I don't want to ever be in a position where I'm saying, okay, either you can't play because you aren't available, or now that you're here, you have to play because you're because we're not allowing you to leave. I, I don't want to be in either of those situations. Yeah, that's totally fair. But hey, at least we got the hashtag free fat opponent meme. So oh all's, all's well that ends well, I guess. <laughs> Jesus. No comment. I saw that live. I don't need to go back into that. No, thank you. <laughs> anyway, um, I guess touching upon um, the actual participants of the first tournament, because we haven't mentioned them just yet. And this goes into what Spike mentioned um, a little earlier in terms of it being a bit of a poker game. The semifinals were Voltzilla versus Cariosa and Namaha versus Flufloosh. Now, at the time, as uh, as you mentioned, Cubs, this was kind of just after season four, right? And yeah. outside of Cariosa, I'd say, the other three members in those semifinals wouldn't have been people that you would think would win a tournament. Sure, no. there's nothing, their skill level's great. And, you know, you know, especially Namaha, who has appeared in a couple of top 32s at this point. Um, but... It was a really good, interesting set of names. Like, oh, this is that's really interesting. You know, someone like Vod and Flufloosh, who haven't been on the scene too long, haven't really um, been in that sort of top bracket uh, for a long time, now have the chance of of, of winning a tournament. Um, and it moves on to the finals, Vodzilla versus Namaha, which, as a neutral and as a fan of Randomizer, is an excellent final because it's like, oh, damn, this is like, again, this isn't, and there's no slight on Marco and Bono, but I was like, oh, well, it's just another Marco Bono, right? And just <laughs> seeing names like Vod and Namaha in a final, like, oh, that's, that's, that's awesome, you know? And I think that's one of the biggest things about Blitz that appeals to me is the fact that you can get people win it and people get through it that aren't necessarily those that are going to win a top 32 uh, tournament or something like that. And when I saw that Vod uh, and Vodzilla ended up winning, um, I was like, oh, that's incredible. You know, it's, it's, it's great for Vodzilla. Um, it's, it's just generally good for Rando that there is a new name that has won something. Because um, I, I like to see that. I like to see new people win. Um, it's it's always refreshing to see new names and you know people coming from scrubs and people coming from elsewhere that all of a sudden just have have won something and have something to their name. So yeah, I, I thought looking, I thought. Yeah. Sorry, no, go on. No, no, you're fine. Go ahead. You no, know, I was just going to say I think just in terms of that alone, I think Blitz was a success because um, you did have yeah. big names in 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 the the qualifier. I'm looking back at the first. Uh... At the first tournament uh, brackets, and just some of the things I found that we had r- the fastest race, fastest win time was a 140. <laughs> the slowest yeah. was a 320. So it was all over the place in terms of the length of seed. Mm-hmm. Um, you look a first round matchup in this thing seed six, seed 27, Exodus, and what the hell happened? 
<laughs> yeah, there were some bonkers yeah. first round matchups because you are just taking that one qualifier. And there's a lot of luck yeah. in the draw there. I was like, how the hell is this a round one match? But you get yeah. it. I mean, what the hell happened is your 27 seed. Think about that for a moment. <laughs> it was a goofy qualifier. Yeah. yeah some of the oh, calls God, you had to that make. That call was awful. That was but. a fun scene. Yeah, mm. that was uh, really fun watching it on What the Hells because I knew he was in it too after I finished. I was like, well, we'll see how far he gets. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> is he going to make it? Like, I don't even know. I was just sweating along with him. It was super fun to watch. He almost last location hard enough to not make a top 32. You know how mind blowing it that would have been if what the hells didn't qualify. Yeah. The, maybe the best <laughs> Zelda Ocarina of Time randomizer player on the planet, not making the top 32 there. But again, I'm really leaning into like the poker aspect of it. And it's like you like take Vodzilla. You can never take that away from him. He has effectively a Zooter trophy at home. And yeah. no matter what you say, like, oh, it's random, you know, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's only five dungeons, the, you know, is it potentially more random in that regard? Had to pull it off for one qualifier and then five straight victories over other great Zooter players. Uh, yeah, I, you can never take that away from Vodzilla. And I hope we have a lot more stories like that in the future. Like you're saying, Chimp, that you would never say Vod's a bad player. Bought a yeah, very you know. solid Zooter player, and I think we'll definitely see a lot of different faces winning them over the course of the many more of these we're going to do. And I, I, I'm I, more than happy with being, I guess, the home for that sort of thing. I, I feel so bad looking back, but I forgot about this. Ninth seed, great job in the qualifier. Who do you get round one? Cariosa. I forget. <laughs> yeah, Cariosa is the 24, <laughs> dude. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you don't have to bring it yeah. up, man. I mean, <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry, Emo. Yeah, it, it's, well, it, it is just the thing of having one qualifier. You're going to have some of those crazy things like that. Yeah, well, that was a crazy story in itself, too, because I think that was like three days after like the governor in my state was like, okay, now you can get a vaccine, but you have to go through this online. Like, I remember this. Yeah. Like shitty, uh, like bookmarking system. So I'm like, okay, this is like March. I think I'm like, okay, well I'll, I'll search. Okay. There's, there's a lot of, huh? Okay. There, there's a lot of ones uh, up here. I'll just choose a reservation and error. Okay. Okay. Try again. <laughs> try again. And it was like that for like two hours straight just at work. I'm just like, Work's just set aside. I'm just, you know, jamming for two hours, nothing. So then, like, all hope's lost, whatever. A couple days pass. I go back into it. And I'm just like, and oh, it goes through. Oh, shit. Well, uh, well I got this Blitz tournament. I guess I, I still play that, right? <laughs> so I got the first, I think it was the first or second one that I got. Um, that was the yeah, day of Cariosa. Oh, that was rough. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I think it was a good experience, though. That, I mean, I would still play another Blitz uh, tournament. I think I didn't play the other ones just because it was too close to random settings. But yeah, um, yeah, I, I thought it was a it's a really cool qualifier system. And I think uh, with the the hen system, I think uh, Dungeon ER does have a lot of legs to stand on. It, it's either that or Warp Song Rando is kind of what I would like to see at least in season five. Uh, I think it could. It has a lot of the same things that random spawn has uh, and random age has, but um, with all locations reachable, there are three locations that you have to have access to as adult and child. 
um, to be able to logically be deceived. So it wouldn't even be that many songs that are truly randomized. It's really three. But uh, in terms of like how that breaks up routing, how it breaks up check just distribution, I mean, it's totally different. I mean, it, you can see it all the time in uh, all these like alternative <laughs> settings races, I would, I would mm. call them. Um, it just, uh, man, I want to see it. Are, you, <laughs> are see you trying to add hiking to hiking, Emo? Are you trying to prevent Prelude <laughs> I, from taking I'm, us to Temple of Time and being our last salvation of not having to hike in a seat? Uh, 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 I'm just uh, like, I'm downing the spinach. I'm going off the, the rails, off the road. I'm pulling off. I'm taking out the speed limit sign and I'm like shoving it in my car and it's not closing the trunk properly now, but I'm speeding off. I'm going off. Like, man, how do we have a fucking stroke if we had that <laughs> into season five? <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I think it has a lot of. It's not. Know. It's not that crazy. It's not that crazy. I'm not advocating for randomized price scrubs, which is my normal thing. Or oh my god. Or all these other bad dungeon reward kind of uh, settings. Um, but but I, I like. All the other blitz stuff that's happening—it's—it's it's been very cool as a, as a player, but also as a watcher. And I think I don't know if I commentated anything for the blitz, but um, you know, I would definitely look forward to it if I had the time. I know there's been a number of people who have been talking up Dungeon ER mixed with Blitz, saying like we should do a Blitz tourney with the same settings we've got, but with Dungeon ER just to give it a shot. And I'm like, I could see that, like you say, just kind of break things up because right now. It's a lot of DC. Like maybe all of a sudden you're you're gonna play completely differently based on the fact that all the dungeon entrances are gonna be swapped up. I could see that. I could see it. I, I just, that's the biggest thing I think we we had with this idea. We don't want it to be just me and Spike and a couple other people running tournaments. We want anybody who wants to just hop in, throw some settings together, go for it. You want some help? We'll be glad to help out with you. But everybody, go crazy. Run, run your own stuff. Hey, we have a One Piece Triforce Hunt tournament to talk about soon. So I think yeah, uh, going going crazy is definitely what happened in that regard. That was the thing. Yes. <laughs> so before we move on to uh, the second Blitz tournament, I guess overall, and I, I, this is probably more of a question to to Cubs and Spike, but obviously you might both might have input. How how do you think the first season went overall? And and I guess in regards to what changed from the first to the second tournament, what what were we trying to achieve with the changes into the second tournament? The changes I think that were made after the first one for the second I didn't have a ton of feedback on those changes. It was very I remember I was planning on not having a tournament that month, and then Beryl just said, hey, what the hell, let's have one. So it was just... Try the biggest thing that we heard from the first one was that Magic was still a little bit of a crapshoot, and that in something like this, where it, it, you're not intent trying to do, say, like a light, seed, light speed seed from Link to the Past... Or a Holy Grail seed for Ocarina of Time, where you just need bow magic light arrows. But you're just trying to speed it up a little bit. There's just a couple things that just don't fit very well. A couple of those long checks, 40-50 skulls. All seven chickens. If you're just trying to speed things up a little bit, they just don't fit very well. Unfortunately. 
So we turned off 4050. We we debated doing random chickens to give the chance <laughs> at seven. Personally, I love random chickens. I think when you encounter six or seven at that point, you just feel that much worse about having to do them all. <laughs> it's just funnier. But four seems to be a good middle ground to where you have to at least sort of plan it out, but it's not the entirety uh, of the seed. Or, or Sorry, the mm-hmm. entirety of the check does not prevent people from going to it. And Skull Mask, I'll be honest, was a direct relation to the finals of the first seed <laughs> for the first tournament. Um, to be quite frank, Vodzilla won that race with a hammer on Skull Mask. Yes. Unhinted Skull Mask. He absolutely won that race. And I still hear about that from Namaha to this day. Oh, Namaha's. Oh, yeah. You are yeah. not on his Christmas list. Yeah, nope. <laughs> piece of shit. Yeah, so it, it it's one of those things that, yes, there's a gamble aspect to it to where it could absolutely win you a race just by doing that, but it just, it feels so bad losing because, the, and again, that maybe that goes back to making the right play and not getting rewarded for it, because I think 99 times out of 100, the right play is to skip Skull Mask. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. It's, it's I, the, goal, the whole goal was never to have something the fastest possible settings. It was just something to speed things up a little bit to make it more palatable to playing multiple seeds on back-to-back days. You got to realize like what you got to balance every single check for thinking about like, okay, what is this check's role in the concept of the game of Zelda Ocarina of Time randomizer. And for the settings, we were like, I'm actually a defender of Skull Mask, even though I am a big skipper of it a lot of times as well. Stuff like Skull Mask and Chickens in more standard settings, I think because they are sphere zero, but because they're longer, I think they're actually kind of perfectly balanced. And I think that's really interesting, that dynamic of do you do these early series zeros or do you feel like, oh, I already got a bomb bag, hookshot, all this stuff, and I can start like hitting up these dense areas, but they required me to have these bigger items. Yeah, whereas in Blitz settings, I'm like, if the concept is to generally have a faster time going along, it felt weird to be like, nah, we're still going to randomly make these checks really, really long at the startup of the seed. So I like where they're both sitting at now. I like that there's just a hint for Skull Mask that you potentially have to find. You still could potentially push it early, do some prepping of it, get Keaton Mask, see where you are in relation to Kakariko, dropping that off, yada, yada. I love four chickens. I love four chickens because depending on where you enter Kakariko from, you can do a completely different set of four chickens every time. So it's actually made it kind of interesting. Some of the routing you do, especially with random spawns, which four you'll pick up at different times. I grab all different ones every time. It's great. 
Yeah, I guess you could, coming from graveyard, you could, like, choose the little three-route, grab the chicken, fly over the fence, grab that one, and then mm. do a little jump slash to the one outside the spider house, or maybe throw the one in the coop straight away, get the one at the spider house, get the one in the crate and the one in the guard to hand in key yep. mask at the same time. Yep. So, if you're coming yeah. from, yeah, you can get the standard one right at the front of Kakariko, or if you're coming from mm -hmm. Hyrule Field. Um, I think I think that's super interesting. Yeah, Yeah, we should just take both of those checks out of the game. Just take them both out. <laughs> Screw them. I, mean, I, I, I hate them so much. Oh, they're so, they're, you they're hate them even in standard. You yep. get an oh, yeah. always hint for skull mass. You get a sometimes hint for chickens. Just play to the hints. Yeah, but sometimes it's better just to do it blind, though, given that like, if you don't get the always in the first, I don't know, 10 hint stones or something like that, and depending on if you have bomb bag or not, has a huge effect on uh -huh. check one density thing, and whether or not you even know if it's on or not. One thing I'll say is that by removing the 40, 50 skull hints at, or, or checks and removing those associated hints, and the reason we left them in in the first place is because we felt there was, I mean, if you get a hint saying 40 skulls is a hammer, do you take the risk and go for the 40 skulls to get a guaranteed dungeon? But we found out in the first one, it just didn't really work out too well. Mm -hmm. So in the second one, when we removed it, I saw a lot more people getting burned by 10 and 20 skulls. Because <laughs> the never get skulls meta just kind of took off. Yeah, see, I, just, love, I love doing blind 20 every seed. I just love doing blind 20. Just so good. Especially if you can get them sub hour. It just no mm -hmm. one does that. So if there's anything I there. To this day, I've been a uh, an advocate of just getting to 10 skulls as fast as possible and hoping that it gets me an advantage, and it's never happened. <laughs> like, I know it's happened to some people. I've watched places <laughs> where someone's got 10 skulls and they've managed to win because they, their first hookshot was an hour before the, the other person's. But yeah. to this fucking day, 10 skulls, 20 skulls has never got me <laughs> jack shit over anyone else or has will, been hinted minutes after I found it. I, I can tell you this. The founder of the Never Get Skulls, Mr. Gavaroni himself, oh my God. has lost to 20 skulls both times. Oh, yeah. Just want to <laughs> say that. That's what you get for yeah. I mean, strategies like the Like, you can't yeah. go 100 or 0 in rando. It's just you're yeah. always going to get burned eventually. Yeah. Maybe not today. Maybe not tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Maybe not in two years. I mean, some players have very good uh, luck. Some people get that. away for yeah, get away with it forever. <laughs> you never know. But yeah, some some people don't bother checking what's uh, what your stone and medallions and just rush deep fire. Fucking Rikaru. Oh, I mean, man. what? <laughs> but no, I agree with you, Emo. I always like to think, and maybe that's why I like random spawns, random ages. Uh, that every day you, you kind of gotta go with the flow to a certain extent in a randomizer. You're never a hundred or zero. Oh, I know. Yep, sometimes I skip adult fishing. Sometimes I'm like, no, I'm not liking what my options are right now. Um, you know, I I I, th I think it's a lot more interesting to play it with that way. But hey, some people can can go the meme route. They'll never get. They'll never have to pay for it. Gavaroni is not one of those. He has paid for it multiple times. So. The the one unfortunate thing I would say from the second tournament was the relative short notice of it. The, fir the first mm. tournament, I, I announced it 
I mean, I, I had started talking about it months in advance, and I think I officially announced it two or three weeks prior. Because I, I had specifically, I had said I was not going to do one for the month of May, and then Beryl just on the fly decided that he wanted to do one that weekend. There were only three or four days notice, and the league had just started. Yeah. So people were scheduling a bunch of league matches as well. So I know there were, while there were quite a few less people who joined, and in the end only barely made the 32-person cutoff uh, for the tournament, I know there were a good 5, 10-plus people that wanted to join, but just had already had previous commitments. So if nothing else from that, just getting the word out sooner is important to when it comes to these tournaments. Mm. So I guess to double down on that, like us, because I know at the very start of this this recording, you mentioned that you just announced the next one, yes, but is also a week away. Yes. So, like, do you feel the the same problem is going to happen for next week? Because again, it's only seven days' notice. It's not as long or as built up as the previous uh, season. It's possible, and if if I get a bunch of feedback. Off of that, honestly, I wouldn't be opposed to moving it a week later. I just, I'd wanted to have one for the month of July, and for one reason or another, it just never really happened. Mm. So this seemed to be kind of the right time to run one. And again, I, I would be, I would be okay moving it a week too. Just that's not an issue. I just haven't run one in a while, and I want to do one. Damn it! Yeah, <laughs> I guess they're fun. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I, I'm not wanting to constantly dig on this, but I think it's quite interesting to to hear about the sort of the back end of it. You, you say you want to run, uh, you wanted to run one in July. Why isn't it that one couldn't run in July? Was it just a lack of help on the back end? Was it other things that were going on, or like what was the what was the circumstances? I I was out for a week and a half, two weeks in Seattle. My sister was getting mm-hmm. married, and as well as just when I got back, I just didn't want to do anything. Mm-hmm. And by the time I got back, it was already the middle of the July, and it's like. There's just not enough time to announce it. And let you also got know. SGDQ going on. People yeah. are still yeah. balls oh, yeah. deep into the league. You know, it's there, yeah. there's a lot of stuff going on. Yeah, so, totally which to be the, honest, the dream I, I will be yeah. when when it's it blows up the same way as like the KH2 community did, where it's like, oh, I haven't had to run a tournament yeah. for them in like four months. They just do it all <laughs> themselves. It's great. I'll so, be we'll honest. See. I I completely forgotten until you mentioned a little bit ago that the league actually ends in two weeks so that's actually i wow. may end up moving it back just because of that just oh, to let go. people finish all that out i, I had yeah, completely forgotten we were coming up on that dude because blitz tournaments man they're really i mean because like, yeah, people can debate like oh are they best the best competitive settings like that's fine like whatever however you want to view it they're great 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 off-season tournaments it's like mm. oh it's a little thing i'm gonna jump into it like maybe you're not hyper competitive about it or anything you're just having a good time it's almost like a hyper fast, almost like scrub settings in that regard, where people are generally a little less competitive. Um, but yeah, so maybe something coming off league things where it's like, oh, I just need a little blitz tournament. Oh, okay, we're in and out. That's great. Yeah. So would uh-huh. you would you say blitz is the jacuzzi of uh, yes. the rando format? You, you want to be in it for a little bit, but not too yeah. long. No, or you no, might no, die. No. <laughs> yeah, you might die. <laughs> a perfect analogy. I love it. I love it. <laughs> All right, so I guess we never really spoke about season two and uh, 
who won, who participated, and so on and so forth. And as you mentioned, Cubs, uh, less entrance this time, 34 uh, live entrants plus two acings, organized by Barrel, Spike, Cubs, Kirox again. Uh, I, forgive me if I if I say this wrong. Mr. Aaron's nerd. Oh, you uh, nailed it. Yeah, yeah perfect. Yeah. Uh, and Millie Moon. Uh, so a few more organizers this time. Again, as you mentioned, Cubs having a bit more back end to help out and do the race moderating and stuff like that. So I, I imagine that worked out better this time around. What, one thing I will say is there was no FPA for either of these tournaments. And uh, yeah, it I just, guess that's fair. It, it's, it's not necessarily that we didn't want to have it. It's just there's so many things happening so quickly. Yeah. Look look at the multi-world tournament right now. It's I'm a race monitor there. It's impossible to find race monitors because of how many races there are right now. Mm-hmm. It's it's just not feasible to expect people to be available that or that many people to be available that often. Yeah. I think that's perfectly fine. Yeah. I think you have to accept that there are yeah. limitations on sort of organization and volunteers yeah. for this sort of thing. So I think most people appreciate yeah. it. It's just now I, I, I the, the benefit of this yeah. blitz with that, sorry Cubs, is that I, yeah. you know that another blitz tournament's probably gonna happen next month. Yes. So if you do yeah. happen to crash out, it's yeah. like, oh well, there'll be another one of these in a few weeks' time anyway. So and it's not and I won't say that there weren't FPA issues. It's just that we didn't have a formal FPA agreement. Yeah. I mean, I, I just left it up to the individual runners uh, at the beginning of each race saying, hey, if you want FPA, hash it out in the race room. Go for it. So it for the most part, it worked out. I think, actually, in of the two tournaments, I think we only had one FPA issue, and it was actually a brand new crash we found uh, in <laughs> in the first one. So it was just kind of interesting. I'm not sure if I know about this. What happened? Uh, it was something to do with a. It was a. Uh, ba- it was a dev build of P- uh, PJ64 before it just oh, released. Oh, okay. And okay. something about the uh, the second ice witch in Forest Temple to straighten out the second room. Yeah. Uh, before you even got to that switch, was crashing. Oh. And it, it it turned out to be an issue with. Uh, so the seed and interacting with uh, that particular dev build of PJ64. Interesting. Yeah. Finding so, new crashes every day. Love it, love it. <laughs> exactly, yeah. So, yeah. Um, 32 people finished the race overall. Um, exactly. <laughs> so, if you finished just... the race, you got yeah. it. It was great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> the top 32 and 32 finish. A miracle. Um, which meant that I guess everything was fine. No buys were required and straight flush 32. Perfect. Um, and again, same, again, same sort of format qualifier was May 16th on the Sunday, went on to around 32, technically on late Sunday, people organized the same day into Monday and Tuesday, around the 16th, Wednesday, Thursday, quarterfinals, Friday, semifinals, Saturday. And again, much like the first tournament, a very interesting set of top four. We had Ryu Kane, who has been doing really well in season four, you know, went quite the distance. Um, so was clearly like a, a potential front runner for this anyway. They came first in the qualifier. Midori, who has not been too much involved in the top 32, and Brax and Ferrelli, which again, like, you wouldn't have picked those four names. Well, maybe Ryu, I'd say, being biased. You mm. wouldn't have picked those four as like the top uh, four in this this tournament, but again, excellent to see those sort those sorts of names in the semis. 
Ultimately, Ryu and Brax won the semis, moved on to the finals on Sunday, with Ryu Kane, much like Vod in Season 1, being you know the winner of a new tournament and a fresh winner, fresh face. Um, and I think maybe different to Ryu than Vod, whereas Ryu has been definitely making a name for themselves in Season 4 and just in weeklies and all sorts. They almost got the double on the, 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 the EU and NA weeklies a couple of weeks ago. Um, but yeah, now that you know Ryu won, which is amazing for them, they've come from Scrubs, which is just a, a great example. <laughs> of you can come from the Scrubs Discord and their tournaments and just build and build and build. And yeah, they've now got themselves, as you say, Spike, an official Zuta trophy of yeah, sorts. Yep. Uh, you know, can't take that off their mantelpiece. And yeah, great, good job to them, GGs, and yeah, hopefully for. The third tournament in in maybe one to two weeks' time, we'll see another fresh round of four in that top uh, those top positions, and we get another fresh winner. Yeah, I mean, think about that. Comparing the top four of each of them, it was a completely different set of names. And mm -hmm. again, that's cool. I like to see a certain amount of consistency, even in settings like this, just because it does kind of create this. Well, it means something more. Like, it wasn't just random that Ryu happened to win. Like, no, Ryu's had this amazing story where he has been coming up from the scrub ranks and getting better and winning all these, like, other races and whatnot and now getting to put it together and winning a tournament. That's really cool. Hopefully we see some level of consistency over the course of a bunch of tournaments and you say, hey, if I beat this, this person, I did a great job. I made some great calls. I pulled it off, maybe executed pretty well to put myself in an opportunity where I could win that. So, but either way, awesome to see eight different names here in the first two tournaments making those semifinals. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's good just like not taking away anything from anyone who's qualified for any of the four main tournaments. They're all great runners. They all deserve their spots. Um it's nice to see people that wouldn't that don't maybe don't have that chance to qualify for the main mm. tournaments actually have a chance to not only qualify for something, but go deep in these tournaments. There's nothing that, I mean, we had the ladder for a little bit, but there's, there's nothing that will prepare you for one-on-one -on -one bracket racing other yeah. than one-on-one -on -one bracket racing. Mm -hmm. So just the ability to have something like that, where other people who usually wouldn't have that opportunity get that chance. I think is very rewarding for those people to have that opportunity to prepare them for the future. <laughs> I, I love getting randoed. Like people bring it up all the time. Like, Oh, it's a frustrating thing. I, I, you know, in the main seasons, your top time oh, is God. thrown out. And I, I, and I understand that. Like I, I get that it makes it more consistent to say, Hey, we're rewarding consistency. It's your second through fifth best times, but it's cool to think for the runner that just popped off, basically God routed it and got like the number seven seed in the blitz tourney. All of a sudden, like they, that's super cool for them. You still have to be consistent enough to win five more games in a row and head to head matches to get further in. But I love getting to let people have that story for themselves. That like, Oh my gosh, I did great in the qualifier. Um, that sort of thing. Or I got lucky in a couple of matches and got deeper. I don't know. There's, there's, there's a balance with obviously your skill and your luck, like your routing and everything. So. You talk about getting rando. God knows I've done that to you a couple times in qualifiers. Oh right? my God. <laughs> dude. I, 
I had to finish that that 76-person qualifier. I came in like 40th, and there were enough drops where it was like, oh, I might be able to make it. <laughs> yeah, I was like 44th, I think, in that. Yep, yep. We both were dumb. No, we were not both yeah. dumb. We avoided, yeah, the, the side dungeons that I ended up having yeah. the, everything to beat a fifth dungeon. There were multiple options. It was cool. It was cool. I, th- I think it's okay because yeah. there was another tournament the next month yeah. we got to play. I think at this point, most people have seen your clip from S4 qualifiers of the fire, <laughs> the long oh, shot. No, I have plenty of time. Yeah. The uh, fire arrow required long shot in shadow trial. God, were you on <laughs> drugs? Yes. Like, what the hell? <laughs> yes. That I mean, you, you can, you can Google that phrase. now. Yeah. And it actually comes up with that. So I, I, I will be honest with you. I, I love that kind of thing as well. Now, not right. for the same reason, because I wasn't on the receiving end of it, but it's right. just, I, I, I love that. I hate when it feels like people try to take the randomness out of Rando. Hmm. Because I, I understand it to an extent, but it's a randomizer. It's hmm. in the name. There's going to be random. You, you, you can't streamline it to the point where it's, it feels more like a vanilla speedrun than a yeah, randomizer. I was going to say, ironically, I think this comes around to literally the first topic we spoke about today. Yeah. That the more you take the rando out of rando, the more it actually becomes a speedrun. Yeah. <laughs> so right. it's like the, the, <laughs> the more randomness in it, it means it's sort of, as, as Spike mentioned earlier, it's like it's speed adjacent, I believe you mentioned. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, so I I I, I agree. Essentially, I do. Agree. Yeah, we don't yeah. we don't want to regress back to season three. So <laughs> well, it depends who you ask. Well, yeah, for sure, exactly. <laughs> there might be a lot of people who want to go back to season three. Oh yeah, yeah. I guarantee you, yeah. there's plenty of people that do. Um, yeah. Anyway, so quick one, and I know we mentioned Asics already, but I just want to touch upon this because it was more prevalent in season two. Um, so, and, you know, calling out Ryu Kane as such, because it's, it's, it's relevant. So Ryu essentially asynced the cores, semis and finals of, uh, season two. What are your thoughts on that? And uh, I know Spike, you mentioned that ultimately blitz tournaments at the moment are for the runners and less about the viewers, but when it comes to, actually trying to change that and making it sort of to both you know it's for the runners and the viewers at what level do you have to say okay well can we async you know should we stop people's ability to async say from the semis onwards because we want the runners to be able to play but we also want the the viewers to be able to watch because the viewers can't watch an async right and it's like unless there's sort of special recording circumstances, it's just going to be, oh, well, this person won. They asynced it, and you can't see that. So what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, again, like in a completely ideal world, I'd like to get to the point where everything is done live like that. But I also want to be somewhat inclusive to people that like, hey, some people's work schedules are just never going to work for this sort of thing. I would love if you would get to play one day, Jim. That'd be awesome. Yeah, me too. Um, you know, and so allowing that, I always think is going to be some level of an option. And I think if nothing else from a viewer's standpoint, I as long as you're streaming it, which we do require that, we have a VOD. We have a VOD that we can throw up and say, here's the recording of it on the left side of Ryu or Chimp or whoever 
you know, played it late last night. Um, and then here is their person doing it live up against them. And it doesn't necessarily have to affect anything beyond that. Um, it's like you said, a completely ideal world. It'd be cool if everything could be live. But I I think from an entertainment standpoint, we can make it work just as well with VODs. I would say we went from having one async in the brackets to having multiple asyncs in the qualifier and nine of 31 races were asynced in mm-hmm. the brackets. Is that a terrible thing? I don't know. I think it's something you kind of have to realize is going to come with the territory with trying to cram the schedule just in to, into such a condensed format. So I think you have to be able to play by ears, but I think it goes back to what you uh, what we talked about earlier, where if you know you're not going to be able to play the later rounds, should you step out and let someone else have that spot? I don't know. I don't know what the right answer to that is. I'll, I'll be perfectly honest. I think I think if you ask 12 people, you'll get 15 different opinions. Yeah, so, I think it's something that's probably going to have to be worked out with yeah. more... Well, as as the tournaments go on and as there's more and more of them, you know, it's like, okay, what's what's best here? You know, are, are we getting enough people where we can say, look, we we really need to just keep these non-async, or are the people we're getting and you know the numbers around, as we say, around thirty-four to forty-ish uh, people? Do we need to keep that element in to keep you know these these viable uh, tournaments going? So I think and it's I- something that's probably going to have to be worked out as as they progress. I'll say one thing I don't like about offering asyncs for the qualifier, and I, 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 I understand why they're offered. I don't like that it means someone has to sit out of the tournament. Yeah, because yeah, that's one or one or more people have to be willing to sit there and watch other people play the async and therefore aren't able to play the qualifier themselves. Uh, yeah. Uh, Which, I, guess- I, I don't... Again, if you're running the tournament and you're okay doing that, more power to you. Go for it. I just don't like putting people in that situation. I guess ultimately, though, you could have it so that you don't actually watch the asyncs until the qualifier is done, right? So you just do the quals, and then you say, okay, we're going to go through the asyncs in the next two hours, because you don't need to watch the entire VOD. Right. Know, as long as you sort of scan through it, and you don't need to be minute-to-minute uh, in, t- in tune with it. You could say, okay, well, it's done. Let's make sure that they've done it properly and scan through the VOD afterwards to say okay we've gone through all of the asyncs there were five of them these three people qualified which means that our top 32 is this you know and if people don't happen to make it that's just part of how it goes right that's the the 33 onwards to you know that while the people in 30 of 31st 32nd they get bumped down they just have to accept it and no one then can't participate because they've already ran the seed and therefore watching the VODs means that they don't have to worry about it. I, I, I'm not gonna... I, looking back at that second tournament, would I have run it the same way as Barrel? No. But there, there's nothing wrong with doing that. It's, everyone's gonna run a tournament in their, in their own fashion. I, 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 I don't know. I, again, I just I don't like... I don't like having to tell people they can't play is what it really comes down to it. Uh-huh. Yeah. That, yeah. That's all it is. Yeah, I, yeah, I completely understand. And hopefully you've got enough people in the organization team to where there is at least one person who is, you know, I know we have some overlap where we have some people from the cage two side of the modding uh, in the Blitz Discord. 
uh, you know, Cage 2 and Zooter kind of overlap yeah. a little bit. Mm-hmm. And they're like, hey, I wasn't going to join this anyway. It's like, I'm, you know. Uh, so ideally, you don't have to tell a Cubs who likes to play Zooter but doesn't necessarily play Cage 2 Rando. Like, you can't, you know, you can participate in this. Plus, yeah. someone like a Red Buddha or someone who who's more than happy to watch. Someone that's just I, won't yeah. have time and say, hey, I, I I've I've done a couple of things for KH2. I couldn't tell you crap about it. I mean, uh-huh. I, 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 all I know about KH2 is me watching you play it on stream. Right. You've learned the basics enough to where you yes. can fall and be like, okay, they're looking for these three things. And they yeah. beat this guy who's in a zebra outfit. We're done. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I couldn't sure. tell you crap about <laughs> vanilla KH2. I really could not. <laughs> Oh, but, a lot of people who play Rando couldn't yeah. tell you anything about their vanilla game. Same with Ocarina of Time. Yeah. Like, hey, what four <laughs> items are in Mido's house? It's just <laughs> enough to be able to know, hey, something about this doesn't look right. Let me get somebody who knows the game better say, what the hell happened here? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just remember, there's always a proof on Jafar, and that's all you need to know. Yep, 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 yep. It's data science. Oh, wow. That's everyone. Everyone's got their bias pick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right. So on to the third of our third and final uh, Blitz tournament that happened. And this one was uh, very oh different from the norm. <laughs> um, the, this the, was the pol- a thing and a half, wasn't polar it? Polar <laughs> opposite of competitive settings. Um, the One Piece Triforce Hunt tournament um, organized by the Silver Gauntlets. Of course, this was never supposed to be a super competitive tournament. If It, it was essentially oh. a celebration of the, the Twitch channel going, going partner. So they decided to host a fun tournament in a Blitzsengs format. Um, <laughs> and this is, this, is, this is what happened. We got a One Piece Triforce Hunt tournament, which um, a lot of people got really mad and salty at because, of course, it was in Ice Cavern <laughs> in the qualifier. <laughs> Um, as if the rush ice meme wasn't hard enough. Um, it was, uh, yeah, even yeah. it was further backed up by a 30 minute, 39 minute win for Tiris, who, unbeknownst to me and other people, had a habit of rushing ice. And hey, who, who knew they won and it was an ice cover? I um, call shenanigans. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, this was a wild ride, and you know, there's. I had a lot more involvement in this one because it was involved on the Silver Gauntlets, of course. So shout outs to Winnie Demon, who not only writes an amazing script for the Gossip Stone podcast, but also essentially ran the entire tournament. Um, so they, yeah. they're pulling some real legwork in. But yeah, 40, 40 live entrants, six asyncs, so 46 total. A lot of DNFs. <laughs> oh, <wow. laughs> yes. I, I, myself, I will say that I was shocked. Yeah, I was shocked how many people forfeited. Yeah, I think um, the pro and this might not just be a me thing, but it might also be uh, applies to others. Uh, when you see someone finish at thirty nine minutes or forty minutes, you're like, "All right, it's early." And then once you're you're like, "Okay, I'll go for these early checks, and I'll go for those early checks, and I'll go for those early checks that I might have skipped earlier." And then you've not found it. You're like, "Okay." It's somewhere really specific instead, and I'm fucked. And at that point, you're just like, "All right, whatever." I, <laughs> it's I'm just not going to find this. It's just someone has chose to do a thing, and it paid off. And ultimately, I think a lot of people had the same sort of mindset. They were like, "Well, I'm two hours in, and I'm already an hour and a half behind Tiris, so I think that the time has passed for for finishing this one." But I guess the, hey, the, yeah, the way I see yeah. it is, there's still open spots in the bracket. <laughs> 
Yeah, right. no, for sure. Yeah, yeah. If ultimately, if you really want to keep going, that's fine. Yeah. But I think, the, again, yeah. this wasn't super competitive. It was yes. very much a fun thing. A lot, I think a lot of people joined just because it was fun. And, oh, yeah. maybe I'll find this in five minutes and it'll be a right laugh. Or maybe it's on. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it really was pick a check, throw a dart, hope for the best. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's, yeah. hey, you know what? It, it was actually a lot of fun if you yeah. look at it that way yeah it was a lot of fun and it, as i say it got a, a good amount of involvement um it finished and around the same time um that we managed to get it in the sort of same time frame as the other blitz tournaments that have happened the qualifier was on the sunday june 26th um top three for this was uh well top three in the qual was t-risk melrose and pro tinder and two of those would make that all the way uh to the semi-finals. Um, there was a lot more metagaming implications, sorry, implications for this one, again, because it is a Triforce Hunt tournament. Um, so it's it was very different in terms of, oh shit, someone's finished, okay. And in, instead of Blitz, where it's like, okay, which dungeons did they do? It's kind of hard to tell, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the, the round of 32 happened on Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Obviously, being a Triforce Hunt tournament, you could just schedule immediately and knowing that, hey, this could finish in 10 minutes. Some of them <laughs> did. Um, round of 16, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, um, people scheduled pretty much straight away, which was great. Quarterfinals for Thursday and Friday. Semifinals, Brotinder, uh, sorry, I'm saying their name wrong. It's Brotinder Doze, which is bread in a can, uh, versus <laughs> Melrose and Mike Katz versus Alexis. Uh, with the finals of uh, Brought versus Mike on the Sunday, with Brought ultimately taking home the win and another fresh name, fresh face, with a a win on obviously again is not a hyper competitive environment, but hey, people took it seriously. People and thankfully people committed to the Blitz format, and I think that's the main thing here is that even though this wasn't like a hyper competitive environment, people still really took the blitz format seriously all of the races got done in uh all of the bracket races got done live i don't think there were any asyncs at all um which was you know awesome there were a few asyncs in the qualifiers but yeah um short assume was nine minutes because <laughs> for sun nine minutes 37 seconds with the uh piece being in goron city maze Longest was three hours and 33 minutes. God. Uh, the Triforce piece Yikes. being in the spirit Bosky chest. Oh wow. <laughs> so yeah, some truly fantastic uh, placements. and some, Can I say some, how glad I was to not be a part of that race? <laughs> yeah, well, one of the best races um, and one of the closest races, actually, was the one between Melrose and Barrel, where it was hinted oh. on 30 skulls. Um, and Barrel had that hint maybe 20 minutes earlier than, than Mel, but just, you know, I think Mel had a couple of extra items which helped them route the skulls better, and I think Mel probably won that by 10 seconds. Barrel yeah. was so close to handing that 30 skulls in, they just needed their last skull from the graveyard and that had been done. But there was one in Light Trial for Necro versus Cola. The Toilet had one. Uh, oh! For Yoshi the Cubs, you were in some, some oh, God. logic uh, Dodongo's Cabin Compass chest. Like 12 <laughs> steps deep. No, it was ridiculous just to get to the compass chest of DC. No strength, no chews, no bombs, nothing. It was insane. <laughs> oh then, my God. Yeah. And then there was one on Richard the Dog. Oh my God. Uh, Bauer versus Lex and 
The best, one of the best ones was, uh, and again, another close finish, Alexis versus Dominic. You could just see it. It was in the DMC wall. Um, they both warped to Bolero. They both saw it, and Alexis <gasps> beat Dominic by, again, about 10 seconds. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> because that's You're just, just running, wow. dude. They both warped to Bolero essentially at the same time. Panic. And they were just like, oh, fuck, oh, fuck, yeah. how do I get there? Uh, <laughs> Um, wow. so, yeah, no was, hook shot, no hovers. You can't yeah, get up I, there. I can't, I can't remember the exact specifics, but I know that it was super close and just oh, hilarious to watch. Um, but yeah, again, and this was uh, the format worked, and it was taken by someone else. And Spike, I know you said that's sort of what you want: uh, someone else and other people to take the format and run yes. with it, do their own thing with it. And you know, it was a success. I don't think it will ever be the season five standard settings. Um, <laughs> But ultimately, the format worked. People were interested. It was a bit of fun. It was silly, but there were still numbers behind it. And yeah, I think it was a good success. Fair play to everyone involved in sorting it out. Um, it was uh, a, a little more sporadic in terms of, oh, shit, we are actually doing this then. Uh, so <laughs> I know a lot of the organizations... Hey, what actually happened. Hey, wait, let me ask you this. You, you, you didn't realize it was going to be what it was when you walked into it, did you? Oh, no, it wasn't that. It was more the <laughs> fact that ultimately we decided that this was happening, but we didn't actually decide who the fuck was sorting it all out uh, <laughs> until yes. pretty much the Saturday. I know uh, that feeling, yes. <laughs> and we had, a, we had an, again, we had an async system for the, the qualifier, which worked well. It was a bit more difficult because so many people wanted to be involved in the actual race. And with the fact that you can kind of spoil a Triforce Hunt a lot more easily than you can a normal seed, um, it had to be really careful who had access to the to, to the async, which was just Winnie in the end. No, no other organizer actually had access to the async. No one was allowed to know who finished. No one was allowed to know how many people out of the, the asyncs finished. And it, it, it worked well. It was a little bit uh, difficult for Winnie to stay on top of, but they had a great time and they did well with it. Um, and one thing that came up was like, uh, how much notice and when is the cutoff for like asyncs, right? So when, as soon as, essentially as soon as you announce a tournament, you'd be like, okay, well, asyncs are allowed for the qual, let us know, but your cutoff is at this time. So that you don't have people approaching you like hours before the actual start time of a race and say, oh, I want to async this blitz thing, but it starts at three hours, but I need to start now. So just having a little bit of maybe a cutoff period of if you want to async this, you need to do it before the day of the race, so before the Sunday or something like that, just so all of the admin is sorted really early and on time so that when it comes to the main race, everyone knows the deal on the back end and you can sort of give that information straight away. Of course, that sort of plays counter to what you mentioned earlier, Cubs, of if people want to play the race, they don't want to spoil themselves with having to watch VODs and stuff. So a little yeah. tricky in terms of how, how to juggle that. But but yeah, um, overall a success. And I think a, a fun way of introducing the Blitz format to a different set of settings. Um, and yeah, I guess what, what were your thoughts on uh, seeing someone else take up Blitz, you know, was... Did you think it worked well? Did you want to get involved? Did you get involved? So on and so forth. The the one thing I'll say uh, I, that I heard from a few people who asynced it was that they felt a little 
I don't say I don't think slighted is the right word, but the fact that they weren't able to meta off of the uh, finish of Tiris. Yeah, of course. And I, I'll be honest, I think if you're asyncing, you take that risk. Right. Yeah, I, I don't think you can really complain about yeah. not being able to see other people's finishes if you're asyncing it before the race has happened, right? It's like, yeah. you kind of can't really do anything about that whatsoever. <laughs> you could, you can't just have someone run it as a control and say, well, the control finish time was two hours because yeah. no fucking sane person is going to ice that fast. Um, but, Wait, yeah, who, who, who let Mel into this call? Oh, don't, oh, don't, don't talk. <laughs> I'm still mad at Melrose for coming second. Uh, that one, the, the fucking betrayal <laughs> runs deep. I was wondering because, like, in the mindsets of people watching for the meta game, and they're like, "Oh, T wrist its eyes," and then sixty seconds later, Melrose finished. You're like, "Uh, wait a I, minute, uh, wait." I, I shit, I shit you not, right? There's a, a there's a separate Discord that a bunch of us are in. Just we, you know, we talk a lot of shit and just talk about random as you do. And Mel calls people out every time for rushing ice they're like i can't stand it i don't get it why are people rushing ice cavern it's stupid it doesn't work and it's broken (laughs) and then when they finished second in this race i was convinced it was not in ice because how against ice mel is i was like well it's not in ice because mel's finished it can't there's no fucking way i still haven't gone back to watch the restream that i need to do it i heard there was a Two to three minutes straight, solid rant from Mel. Yeah, about how there, it was like it was. There was just no one else got a word in. It was just a complete rant yeah. about it yeah. being. An and ice. they've got, but they've got no fucking right to rant because they rushed ice. <laughs> the betraying bastard. All, my entire meta game was off Mel finishing because I knew nothing about T Riss. I was like, okay, Mel's coming second. Let's just rush the fuck out of GTG. That makes the most sense. Nope. Get fucked, Jim. It's in ice, and you didn't have a fucking bottle when you did King's Aura skip. So, sucks to be you. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm so glad I didn't join this tournament, only because I would have been like math lady every time. Like I see somebody finish, be like, "Wow, they're like five minutes behind that person, and I'm twenty minutes behind first. And uh, that means all these different segments, like on the overworld map, and like, oh my god, I would just have such a headache <laughs> in the end, but. Or it could then, just be yeah. like, you know, sometimes you, just, you hear a knock on the door, okay, someone just has a shotgun and they just shoot you, you're dead. You're like, oh, okay. Oh, <laughs> okay. That's, <laughs> I, I that's, guess it just ended. Yeah. So that's, that's the exact reason why I stopped looking at the race room for things like this, because I just oh, I yeah. found myself metagaming too much and taking myself uh, out of things. I absolutely would have met it away from that. <laughs> 100%. Now, I still came in over two hours it's just about two hours after T risk, but still. Yeah. I would have I would have rushed Ice Cavern, and I know my teammate. I'm, I'm very, <laughs> very proud of his win. Uh definitely well, congratulated him. T Riss bringing home the dub. I love it, dude. <laughs> yeah, Annoyingly yeah. for me, I, I rushed Fountain because I was like, oh, it's fine. I'll rush Fountain into ice. But I didn't fucking hand in Ruto's letter. So I managed to find Hobbins from Fountain. That was fantastic. But when I was yeah. like, oh, I can't actually go into ice because I didn't empty the bottle. Never mind. It's probably not here anyway because Mel's just <laughs> finished. And yeah, there we go. Well. About that. Yeah. Now, I, I want to ask you one thing since you were involved in planning it. Mm-hmm. What do you think about running a blister? Yeah. How do you think it went so, from your end of the spectrum? 
Yeah, I guess um, it's quite different because, again, because of how less competitive this one was, you know, we don't, we didn't really have to worry about FPAs or anything like that. Yeah. We didn't really have to consider race mods. It was like, just do your own shit. And, you know, tell us, tell us which stupid chest it was at and how many minutes you didn't, uh, yeah. <laughs> you saved over the other person <laughs> by rushing this check. But um, I think um, my immediate thought, because, you know, I've, and I've been discussing with Hell Knight and the other organizers about what's essentially what's next after that and what we're going to do in the, in the downtime between season four and season five. And, you know, it is a format that has worked and has been popular. And I know Hell Knight in particular wants to do more Blitz tournaments. My, and I've already mentioned this, my, my thoughts is that one week is a little too restrictive and I think that maybe two weeks might be a sweeter spot. And I don't, I don't want to suddenly be like, oh, maybe we should be three weeks and four weeks. And then suddenly it's just, you know, it's own fucking season five. Right? <laughs> Eight months. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. No, no, no. <laughs> but in my, for, for my head, I was like, I think one week is, and it's perfect. You can get things done super quick, but it does restrict how many people can join. Right. For sure. But essentially you have to, if you qualify, then your next race, your next two to three races can all be on working days, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And not everyone has that luxury. I think that with a two-week format, I think I personally think it will be a little more flexible to that more people can join a little bit, but a little bit easier in terms of scheduling. It's still really fast because two weeks is still not a lot of time. And I think maybe there is a sweet spot there to hit. And I don't, I, you know, it's not, I'm not saying that one week doesn't work. It clearly has done. But I think maybe just extending it a little bit might just be a bit more lenient. Um, but ultimately, I think it worked. I think it is a good concept. Um, and scheduling and uh, organizing it all is, as long as you've got all your ducks in a row, it kind of just goes as smoothly as you need it, uh, needed to because there's not much that can go wrong as long as you don't try and make it complicated. You know, if you don't, if you try and add mm. FBAs and race mods, it's going to get tricky. It's not going to work. But if you just if you just accept that some tournaments like this can't have that sort of thing, and you know, it's just sort of you've got to have faith that people are running this legit, and no one's going to because you know, ninety nine percent of all the runners for a rando don't do anything like that and will follow the rules and are very you know pleasant people to race against um so yeah i think don't make it complicated keep it simple keep it very um you know keep keep the settings and the format straightforward but maybe just elongate it by no more than an extra week and i think that that for me would be something worth trying i love it i love hearing more people wanting to organize these and now come up with their own formats for it. Cause yeah, I Cubs said it perfectly earlier. We never had the concept that this is the only way to run it. And they must mm -hmm. always be done with these settings. I love it. You want to run a two week long solo Triforce peace hunt. Let's do it. Like, you know, whatever, whatever just like sounds fun. I just want the concept to be out there of you can have these fast speed run tournaments. And I think a lot more people on the internet would be down to have them. So yeah. I think yeah. people love to compete. Oh yeah. You know, ultimately people just want to compete and they want to race against each other and they don't often get the opportunity. And I mean, don't get me wrong right now. There's so many things happening with Rando in particular that there's always something to look at and potentially join, but you need to be in some sort of, you know, there are some niche subsets, you know, not everyone's into RSL. Not everyone is going to do scrubs. 
Not everyone is going to join DDR, for example. But there are lots of things to join. But if you've got things like just that, there's always some competition going on. There's always a, an opportunity for one-on-ones or a large qualifier every, well, you know, once a month or so. I think people are just going to enjoy that. And I don't really think there's any harm in, you know, continuing that uh, that mindset and that prospect of just have something to look forward to for next month. And, you know, maybe just having a regular blitz tournament like you mentioned cups like a once a month blitz where it's slightly different settings each month and be like okay well this month we're going to turn on this and you know it's not going to stay because it's just what we're doing this month and the month afterwards we're going to turn on indoor er and then the month afterwards scrubs month afterwards we're going to have you know vanilla bridge something like that so yeah i think it's uh I think it's a concept that's going to stick around, and yeah, I I really enjoy it. I just want to want to be able to participate. <laughs> yeah, I would love for you to be able to participate as well. So, yeah, word on the street is mixed pools is going to have a tournament, TBD. Oof. But Oof. Uh, soon as soon as you and what the hell's happened, get get it started. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we'll have to take those next few steps. But I think uh, a lot of things that we outlined today, I think, be yeah, definitely a good starting place, not only for me, but also anyone out there that wants to run one of these Blitz tournaments. Uh, so it's a really cool thing, and glad that we're just getting more ways in which you can play Rando. I mean, I just remember back when when I started, it was like weeklies, and that's it. And okay, weeklies, and oh, there's a tournament wa- match I can watch, right? But I'm, I can never play in those. <laughs> like, not not I, at that point in time. So like, eh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, uh, I, I I meme on the link to the past turn uh, randomized community because they always have seemingly six or seven tournaments going on at once. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh, yeah, but I, but but they they do have people willing to step up and take that initiative and run those tournaments. Hmm. And for better or worse, we don't really have that many people in the Ocarina of Time random community that have done hmm. that. Outside the main tournament, there's been just recently the Challenge Cups, the multiple yep. tournaments. And ran- random settings. That's, and when you consider that, that's over the course within like the last six to nine months, and the game's been out for three years. That's really kind of recent in the grand scheme of things. I'm glad it's changing, and people are willing to yeah. step up and mm-hmm. take that, put that effort and initiative in. But it's just there's got to be more of it. I think. I think there's got to be. If people want more tournaments, we can absolutely do, do more tournaments. Just mm-hmm. have to be people willing to step up and help run them i think it's, so, it's, it's, sorry go on spike you first. i was just gonna say we need more silver gauntlets out there that it's i i was so happy for silver gauntlets when they were able to secure partnership because yeah it's the zooter community is so big it needs more of that absolutely yeah, but, a better ratio of people willing to organize tournaments so yeah it just goes to show that there is still you know and again not a slant on zsr on the slightest but there is that much demand for people wanting to watch competitive rando that another channel hosting its own different thing is going to get as much views as it needs to you know become a twitch partner because people just want to watch it right and if if someone is willing to create and organize their own thing potentially restream it people are going to watch it you know, people want to watch competitive rando. I want to watch competitive rando. I love watching and participating in it. So, 
as long as it as long as that desire still exists and I don't see that dying down anytime soon, it's you know, the more the more the merrier. And you know, I you mentioned a link to the past cubs, and again it is a bit of a meme. Whenever I open up Twitch, there's always a channel hosting some sort of a link to the past. Uh, <laughs> tournament or competition exactly but that's, yeah. but that's fine because it means that if i want to watch a link to the past i've essentially always got somewhere to go and watch competitive a link to the past and that's not always the case for ocarina of time you know it, some might say that uh, that's fine they don't have to they don't want to watch it every single day but for those that do want to watch competitive ocarina of time rando every day the more people that sort of, again, the more people like the Silver Gauntlets that decide to to branch out, do their own thing, or not even branch out, but just try and organize internally. Like, look, I want to start doing this. Can I potentially restream it myself? Or can I just organize it and other people can restream it? That's that's fantastic. So, yeah, that, that needs to continue. And, you know, shout-outs to people that, you know, like uh, Yoshi and Kirox and FQ and everyone that helped make the league because that's now its own thing and that's become competitive and all essentially happening all the time. Um, I know there are other people that are making their own things for for rando secret secret projects that certain people won't let me in on. Damn them. Um, <laughs> don't point your fingers at me, Chad. <laughs> I'm not pointing my fingers at you, Emo. I don't know a thing about what you're working on. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah, there's, there's, there's more stuff being made and that's great. You know, people... Rando is now what three over three years old now. Ocarina of Time Rando, and there are a lot of experienced names in the community now that know how it works. They know what people want, and you know they've they've got the. And I, I'm not saying you need like, I guess clout is the wrong word, but you know if 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 you are well known in the community, if you start to do your own thing, people are going to take notice because you've been around for a long time and. You know, if I, that's not to blow my own horn, but if I was like, hey, I've just started a tournament, I think I'd get a good amount of people who like, oh, that's, that's Chimp, he's he's all right. He's not, not a mm-hmm. complete asshole. Let's see what he's up to. <laughs> um, so, you know, I think is that the more people like that that exist, the better they have uh, an opportunity to branch out and to, 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 to do their own thing. So that's, that's very good. And yeah, that's only going to expand. I think if you look back at randomizers in general, six years ago when Z1R first came out, who the hell would have ever thought we'd be sitting here today talking about this? <laughs> who the hell ever thought that would take off the way it did <laughs> and just inspire anyone and anyone and everyone who who is even interested in trying to create a random? I haven't looked at the big list of randomizers in a while, but. It's got to be some, what, four, 450, 500 games at this point? It's massive. It's insane. That's just to think about Rando in general. Not yeah. just Ocarina of Time, but think where it's gone. It started just a few years ago. And look where it's come. It's insane. There's, there's a game that I speedrun, which literally only one other person has speedrun, and the leaderboard is me and that person. That has a fucking rando. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just like, who, who did this and why? Like, no one, no one's even heard of this game, and it has a rando. <laughs> like, what the fuck? And I, that's just gonna continue because I think rando is just a great way of replaying a game, and that's that's. Oh. No one is ever going to get bored of wanting to replay a game that they enjoy. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess that's that's its own topic we could spend hours on. So. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> 
We'll invite you back for that one. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> I love um, randos, dude. I love that they've taken off so well in the community. And like you said, like every guy, and we mean every game has a rando. Yeah. Speed yeah. games with two runners have a rando, and it's beautiful. I love it. Yeah. It's just such a fun way to every time you get to play it, it gets to be a little bit different, and you never get tired of it. I love it. Yeah, I play every day, so I <laughs> I can't speak any more upon that other than my own actions. So uh, you know me. Any other final thoughts? Yeah. I do have plans uh to alter our settings list at some point. I, I do want to throw in some scrubs, some shops, not maybe to the extent of the multi world tournament, but change things up i want to do like an actual triforce hunt tournament um the biggest one i want to do is a ddr blitz tournament after the ddr tournament happens because hmm. just i love it just to get a completely different pool of players involved i think will be good but i mean <laughs> People talk about blitz settings all the time and about how they're fast. And it's like, I have to stop them every time. It's like, no, they're not supposed to be fast. They're they're supposed to be a little bit quicker. They're not supposed to be as fast as you can. And there's really not even blitz settings. It's just that it's been associated with the settings we use for the tournaments. Blitz is the format. Not the settings. Yeah. You want to run full ER, decoupled, be my guest. I don't know how you're going to do it in a weak setting, but go for it. Figure it out. It, th- there are no settings for Blitz. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's purely, yeah. Right? It's purely the structure. Yeah. Because we all love tournaments. We all love watching. We love participating. Nobody loves sitting around and waiting for the next race to happen. Nobody loves that. That that's all we're trying to do. Just trying to have fun and cut out the shitty parts. I mean, to cut out the, the shitty parts, you need to delete Ice Cavern. So just completely. Oh, yes. Whoa, whoa, whoa! <laughs> okay, <laughs> Mel. How much did Mel pay you to say that? <laughs> hey, I blame Mel for having me for me saying that. <laughs> Spike, I don't, I'm sure we've had our conversations. We feel the same way about how we want to see Blitz take off. Uh, I don't know how you, how you want to go from here. Yeah. I, uh, I hope there are a lot of people who realize if I can get a team of people together, I can organize a tournament and I can put up just fun competitive formats at varying ranges of how silly they are. I love one Triforce piece. I think that's great. Um, I look forward to uh, all the different tournaments we see in the future and uh, I hope it's just inviting to all sorts of people who like all sorts of different settings. It's like I said, Blitz is a tournament style. It's not a setting string. That will do it for this week on the podcast. Thanks again uh, so much to Cubs and Spike for joining us. Thank you very much. I'm- Glad, just very happy to be here. Thank you very much again. Yeah, thank you for having us. This was a blast. 
I'm glad you guys enjoyed yourselves. Um, also, thanks to my co-host, Chimpan Reeve. Absolutely no problem. And yeah, it was a, it was a pleasure. I think this is a absolutely fantastic episode. We really talk about some good stuff. Um, and yeah, thank you very much for, for coming on. It was terrific. And while it may not have been the shortest episode, uh, again, Blitz is a tournament style, not a setting string, so it makes sense. But uh, thanks to Ronan uh, Recordings and Winnie Demon, our editor and scriptwriter, respectively. They do a lot of work behind the scenes that may not be totally evident to the listener, but rest assured, they keep the podcast running here. So thanks to them as well. And we'll see you all next time on the Gossip Stone Podcast. <laughs>